now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, uh, this is Hope from the Future. So this was the very last episode we recorded before the writer's strike, uh, before the sag strike, and before everything happened with Chris's house burning down and all that. Uh, so this is a very old episode. <laughs> this episode is like months ago. Like, gosh, it's crazy. Like, this was like before the summer. Like, this episode is months ago. And uh, during that time, a lot of things have changed and updated. And one of the things that have updated in that time is my co-podcaster from For Light and Dice. Uh, in that time period, they have updated their name. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, I found out that they had been listening to the show. And so I was talking about them at the beginning of the show. So this episode does have their previous name, but they have updated it since then. Robin, I love you. You're one of my favorite people in the entire world. And I'm so proud of you all the time. And I love you so much. And yeah, enjoy Guys and Jedi. And we'll be back with new episodes soon enough. And we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being the best listeners ever. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Guys and Jedi. Je- Je- what the fuck is the name of our show? Guys and Jedi, I That's guess. That's the show. You got it. Yes. I don't you'll know. Get, don't worry, you'll 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 get it eventually. You're you're new to the show, you know. I know. I I yeah, I am so new. It's not like we haven't done this for 374 episodes. Anyway, we're a weekly podcast that talks about something Star Wars. In this episode, an opportunity opens, and the time for Cassian and his fellow inmates to escape prison is now. There will be the episode of amazing monologues because everyone has to earn their award nominations in this one. We're talking about Andor, episode seven, one way out this week. I'm Hope. This is Chris. Chris, I'm sorry you got the COVID. It finally happened. I spent so much energy trying not to brag over the last three years how I've managed to avoid it. Mm. And I finally got it. Yeah. Luckily, you're feeling a lot better. It was really only like 18 hours of where I felt like really bad. And then it's just been lingering, lingering crappiness for the last week. I told Chris that I was jealous because like when I had it, I was down for like 14 days. (laughs) I was out. I was very sick for nine and then it took me like another like seven to get up back up again. I did my fever, my fever flu trick on it, which was... Hey, I was at I was at work. I had like I was like sweaty and wet and like working and just feeling awful. As soon as I got home, I immediately just started like I just took a sh- long shower, sat right down in the shower, just a long shower to relax, sleep, and then just showering, sleep and shower, heating up my body, and then cooling down, getting in bed, and sleeping. 
and by the the you know by the time it was midway through the next day i wasn't like you know in the full throes of it i was just like logie and crappy feeling but you, you you know how like when when you hit that point with a flu where you've just sort of sweated it out and 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 then you're on the upswing so i'm like all right 18 hours and i'm on the upswing i uh i knocked so, that out so, pretty on, good i, I want to make sure i hear this right you you shower for a long time in a hot shower and then Over you sleep an... in the bathtub? No, no, no. I go back to bed. I go back in my bed. I dry oh, off okay. back to bed. It was nice, cool night. So I had nice, cool air coming in. And uh, and then whenever I would wake up, I would go and take another another shower. And it feels almost like it's like speeding up the fever. You know, <laughs> it's just helping whatever the fever is burning off. You're just burning it off more with a nice hot shower. And and then it was sort of like, okay, I'm on the upswing. And then I've just sort of sat there for the last week. Which is not a, a you know, I walked to the store today and, you know, I can, I'm, I'm starting to eat like normal amounts of food. You have to like work up that energy again. It does not come back naturally. You have to actually work your energy back up. Oh. I found being... Like, gradually going out in the sun more helped me. Well, because, I've been doing that, too. Because there's only certain vitamins that you get from the sun that also help fight infections. And so when I had COVID, I tried, or even, like, when I'm just sick in general, I try to spend at least a few minutes in the sun, and then I, like, work my way up to, like, my normal. So, yeah. Yep, I've, 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 well, we've had really nice, sunny beautiful weather here so i have been doing i've been going out and sitting around looking at my strawberries which are getting big mm. another week or so there'll be there'll be edible strawberries on there hopefully we got bunnies in our neighborhood too so we'll you got bunnies we got bunnies i have not seen our bunnies actually recently uh, i haven't seen our bunnies in like over a year we had a bump bump bumper bunny bunny bumper crop rubber bunny buggy bumper bumper crop this year and there's one just big old brutus of a bunny that i keep seeing in my backyard and it and and he's got like orange like the the hair of an orange cat like it's it's very uh it's very foofy like a bunny but it's very cat coloring like and uh, th- it just cracks me up whenever I would see him in the backyard. I walk by there and go, "Hi, Bun!" And as soon as he hears me, he does a thing where he s- stands up but then doesn't move. Mm-hmm. So he'll just stand there not moving, and I'll sit there talking to him, going, "You know, I can see you, right? You know." <laughs> Tom, they're no, probably so used to being around humans. You're not fo- you're not fooling anybody, and, it, <laughs> and you just see its eye just sort of looking at me, and like, and then, but. You can still, you can only get so close. And once you get within that one step, then they're like, pew, gone. But yep. I, well, I'm, I'm guessing you've had a, probably a little better week than, than me. Yeah. So I just have to say, I'm glad you're feeling better because I've been there. I've done that. It sucks. And so when you told me on Tuesday, it, it actually worked out because we had to move our day anyway because work was kicking my ass. And... But I'm I'm glad that you were able to get some extra rest, and I'm so sorry that you got the you got the Rona. Yeah, it's gonna it's probably gonna happen to anybody. The the version they you know the second the government said it's all over, the, the, then I, everybody's been getting it. 
because the new I, versions, the new versions are really they're very spreadable, mm -hmm. and once every you know, and there are a lot of people who did everything that they were supposed to do, or you know, and even oh. overcompensated and stuff, and then you know. When the government says it's over, maybe, you know, even those people are going to, you know, a percentage of them are going to relax a little bit. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and they did. And uh, it just went all over the place. So, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, bound to happen, bound to happen. Well, I uh, I have had a really good week. Oh, update. You know how last week I was talking about how I was hoping that my character in For Light and Dice would inflict emotional trauma on herself. It yeah, was successful. I, I saw that. I, I, I'm, I'm glad, glad you're happy. <laughs> I am. I am. I got, it was my first kill in the game and it's full of emotional trauma. So hooray. And speaking of For Light and Dice, I have it on very good authority that we have a new listener. Because they messaged me today on Discord, oh. and it's Nathan, one of my co-podcasters for For Line Dice. They they were like, "We're starting to listen to uh, I'm starting to listen to the uh, Andor coverage," and I was oh, like, for oh. "Oh, Jesus, I'm so stupid. I thought you meant for for uh, Light and Dice, and I'm like, well, yeah, net. Oh, oh, for us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so they were just like, yeah, I started listening to your Andor coverage, and I was like, oh, so hi, Nathan. Hi. I hope you're enjoying it. Most Hi. of these shows aren't that long. <laughs> they are. They are. We're, no, we're mean, longer than a lot of other podcasts. So. No, I mean, I mean the, I mean, if you, if you, if you're cutting your teeth on the Andor episodes, those are like the, the these, these are, are our longest the episodes. Monsters, yes. yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you like it, Nathan, you can join Charles, and you two can, I don't know, make fun of me. I don't, I don't know what you do in your spare time. <laughs> Sure, that's I, what I, they do. They talk about you. That's what they 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 do. Just, you know. I yeah, I don't know. I'm really surprised that anybody gives a fuck about anything I have to say. So I'm like when, actually, when Nathan wrote me, they said something along the lines of like, "I'm starting to listen to JKs and Jedi," and I think my answer was like, "Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would why would somebody? Do why that? would I? I don't understand why anybody, <laughs> especially because like I have a note here that says drunk." <laughs> I listened to a, li a little bit of the episode that came out on Tuesday, which was, I believe, announcement. And I had this moment of just like, do I always sound this horrifically drunk all the time? Because I don't drink. No, I think <laughs> I specific for some like, I mean, I, I think I said something about it on that show. Yeah, you, you for some reason you're sounding a little, maybe somebody slipped a little something in your orange juice or something. Hope I don't, I don't know. know, but you're not wrong. And... I just find it funny because I don't drink. Because <laughs> I'm such and a if you did drink, you'd be admitting to it on. Uh, you uh, let's let's just say this on special occasions. Hope will drink on air, but yeah, like our trust episode listen, where yeah, I don't remember the last those, hour and a half. Right. If you listen to those episodes, you see why Hope probably isn't casually drinking every episode. <laughs> no, no. Um, we call her Screamy Hope. She comes out. Um, <laughs> No, but like I think I think it's I was trying to figure out why, especially like lately. I'm like, God, I sound like so drunk. Um, it has to be because I'm just I'm still trying to get used to like the work life balance of my new job, and I have like essentially no free time and no mental spoon. So by the time I get to eight p.m. on a Tuesday, my brain is just blitzed. <laughs> so this is what where we are, guys. I'm sorry, I sound horrifically drunk. And for the other for light dice news, um. 
Charles lives in my brain now. Oh. Because he was lovely enough to give us a small correction. Because I don't remember which one of us, because I don't listen to our show. Because again, now I'm I hearing that I... stupid song in my in my head. What stupid song? Charles in charge of Hope's brain and I... her mind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's an old TV but show. I know I know what Charles in charge is, and I Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I um but the reason I have this here is because it worked. Um Charles gave us a correction in our Discord, uh something along the lines of like it's canto bite bite. I'm gonna claw my ears off, as is what I think he said. And I don't know which one of us probably said Canto Bright. It was probably both of us. It could be and either of us, yeah. I, I, it, I totally as soon as I saw it, I said, Whoops, I said Canto Bright, didn't I? I and then I said I said Canto Bright. So it was probably both of us. <laughs> I was just telling Hope earlier, I I in another podcast months ago, which I edited and was in with three other people who love we love to make fun of each other. I somehow talking about Jordan Peel called him Jordan Peterson. Which in A is gross. <laughs> B, I don't. I, I it just came out. Everybody there just went whoop a dip doo. Didn't hear it. It took six months later, and my friend Thomas DJ to, and fellow podcaster Thomas DJ listening to that episode going, you "No, know, you called Jordan Peele Jordan Peterson. I don't know if he'd be too happy about that." And I'm like, "No, no, Listen, he would." I'm. We're both either of the them age would of be. thirty. Therefore, our brains officially don't work anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so about Charles living in my walls. <laughs> so he had corrected us, and I was just, and you know, like, it's one of those things that, like, most of the time I don't give a fuck about, like, small details in Star Wars because I don't give a shit about what the buttons on the Millennium Falcon do. If you do, and that's your jam, good for you. I care more about the sexy people in it. I don't care. But I do care. When it bothers people. And so first note is. If we ever have corrections. And stuff like that. and it and it Because I, I have my Star Wars pet peeves. So I get it. So if there's anything we say. Please let us know. Don't be afraid. Like <laughs> I don't want to annoy our listeners. First well you don't want to say Canto Bright all the time now. Just because you know there's going to. like It's like hearing a scream in the distance. Every time you say it. I don't know what it is with Chris's that like to mess with Charles, but you're now the second who likes to do this. And the answer is no, I want Charles to keep on being my friend. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to defriend you? Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, we're talking about Star Wars fans here, I guess. Yeah, I no, I, I would like, I would prefer. So like that, that was the first note. Like if we have. Next like, thing you know, we won't be able to say Jar Jar Brinks. How dare you? He is Darth Jar Jar. Put respect on that name. Darth Cue the Jar music. Darth Jar Jar. Darth Jar Jar Brinks. Darth Jar Jar Brinks. That 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 you better be playing his music. You put respect on his name. Is it playing, Chris? Jesus, I don't know. Okay. You'll have to listen and find out, won't you? Hope. <laughs> our show. <laughs> you think I actually listen? I'm surprised when Nathan, my friend, listens. Do you think? And I'm I have to listen. Charles I have to like, edit the things. So. Charles and Bucho and Gene and McKins, like all of our friends that actually listen to us. I'm just like, why are you, you see, all here? You see, here's Disney? here's hope annoying me, knowing that as soon as the words Darth Jar Jar or Jar Jar or anything like that happens, immediately I have the file sitting in the file right next in 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 my 
J guys and Jedi template just in case anybody goes Darth Darth. Oh. Yeah. Every time you have to ask me, Chris, are you playing the music? Are you playing the music? Well, it's yes, different. I'm playing the music. I'm always. You're my the you're music. my co-pod. Always played in my head. You're my co-podcaster. I'm allowed to annoy you. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so about Charles living outside my window. <laughs> Charles is a fellow podcaster, isn't he? He's diff. It's different. Oh, it's different. Okay, it's different. Charles, then it's fine. But I've How known you. I've known you for more than eight Charles. years. When was two thousand eight? Two thousand eight was a while ago. How was twenty? What's twenty three minus eight? I don't know math. Let's see. That would be uh twenty. Long time ago. 20. Not quite twenty. Hold on. I'm trying my best to not do math. I was, anyway, I was a THA major. I don't know how to do math. Anyway, about Charles living inside my house (laughs) and my my brain um, and watching me as I work. So I had noted this. So first of all, the point of this is, is if we have any, we all have Star Wars pet peeves. If there's anything we say that annoys you, please let us know. We would love to address it because we, you know, love our listeners for some reason who listen to us. And yeah. Second of all, I was working and writing about Canto Bite, and I started to write bright, and I heard Charles's Charles's voice in the back of my head just go, "Canto Bite, Bite Hope, Bite," and I was like, "Ah, Ghost Charles, no!" So now I will never forget it because I hear his voice because <laughs> Charles lives in my head now. I guess. Anyway, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Nathan. Welcome to the show. Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to have to send this to both of them. Uh, anyway, we're unhinged now, and we're only, like, what, like five minutes into the record? I don't know. what We're talking about Andor today. Oh, uh, do you have anything else to talk about before we get into the episode? Not really. Oh, uh, happy Pride, even though this will be out like three weeks after Pride has started. It is June 1st today. Happy Pride. We are a queer podcast, mostly for me, not Chris. But Chris is cool, you know, Um, I guess. (laughs) 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 Thanks, Hope. No, no, no just, you, just you. Remi- you. you just reminded me it's it's Pride Parade season already, and Pride Parade ends literally two blocks from from the end of my street. Hey, so, that's cool. So, like, one of these days when I go, when I, it, it, oh, it, 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 it'll be ending right about the time that I'm heading out for garage sales. I'll go out to garage sales and I'll just hear, like, <laughs> And I'll be like, oh, that's right. It's Pride Day. Pride Parade Day. And the Pride Parade follows me. So there's, the, I guess I <laughs> that. It's true. I used to work, I used to work at a Mexican place at the mall. And that's where it used to end, is it used to end in the courtyard there. So once a year, when it first started, you know, so it was, it was smaller, but it was still pretty crazy in my town. And uh, like, I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race, like, I think recruited half its cast ever forever from Rochester and uh, they would, they would end in our, um, in our courtyard every year. So we would have a big, big big restaurant day (laughs) that day, you know, and, uh, 
and then they moved it and then they moved it down to the end of my block into a huge field. <laughs> so it's gotten a lot bigger. It's a big production now. And we and our neighborhood has been pretty uh pretty good at driving away the sign people. Mm-hmm. You know, the the religious guys who have the oh, like yeah. fi- the, the 50 signs that they set up, you know, and you and said, they have The moment you said sign people, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, There's only had, one kind of sign people and they it, suck. They set up at the end of our street and everybody like I myself have have gotten out and just got over to them and gone like I live here and uh, you guys aren't welcome here. <laughs> Nobody wants to see you, whether they're pro or anti or whatever. You're not you're not welcome here. You're you're running your bullhorn in my neighborhood and it and it sucks. And they were they they have not come back <laughs> in three years. And I'm not saying because of me, but I'm like one of like many people do it. And um not very and not always very respectfully either but i think they like uh, understood the concept of like you're you're in somebody's home <laughs> cuz usually they're in front of stadiums or something like that you know when you go to like some downtown festival that's where they'll set up where everybody's in the public but it's just like no dude you're on people's front yard fuck off look <laughs> at you I hate those sign people. They're the worst part of Dragon Con. And Pride. You know, they're just the worst. They're just the worst of everything. Yeah, that's their that's their job. That's their job. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Thank you everyone for Just being be like glad no. that there's still people in America who take pride in their work. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Anyway. Are you ready to get into Andor? Yeah. What do you think about One Way Out? I love this episode. Are you kidding me? I love this episode, what a, too. What a, I mean this what an in the episode. nicest way possible. It is the weakest of the prison arc, but that's only just because it's resolving. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I, it's the shortest of the prison arc, but boy, oh boy, this is an effective piece of tension and release. <laughs> it, it absolutely is in every single way. And when I say worse, I mean, like, we're talking, like, hundred dollar block of fudge compared to like ninety dollar block of fudge like it's still a block of fudge <laughs> like and, it's still and, really good i mean fudge goes a long way uh, yeah fudge is rich and it goes a long way and if so we're, is if, this we're gonna, if we're gonna use the fudge fudge analogy here the fudge analogy of the star wars fudge analogy the, the time war and fitness fudgeality yeah when you fudge it we are but uh but like it it i mean this episode is about breaking out of the prison so you can't like you, there's only if there's only so much like mon mothma um um and luthan drama that you could put that you can add to this story before people are like let's get back to the prison that's where you yeah. want to find out what's happening so those are just kept to like basic they're like set pieces you know the scene with mon mothma and the scene with luthan that there it's one you know and and you notice there was no uh no um isb or anything and there's like one isb scene when they're capturing krieger's dude right right you're right there is but yeah yeah but they they kept all that stuff at a minimum 
and so I mean, I mean, they had about you know forty-two minutes worth of story to tell, and it's bet bet bet. Why why dangle any? It's at less than that, by this. the way. It's less right. than that because when you take out the two and a half beginning, minutes of the yeah, intro yeah. and beginning, and then the seven minutes of credits, yeah, it's, it's a thirty-six thir- minute episode. Yeah, that's it's it's fine. It's if they have thirty-six minutes of story to tell, then then you know the the story is best. To- like they did, it had just about the right amount of scenes and story to get what it had to get done. And uh, yeah, uh, and I the only reason I know that is because I when I go to break up the three acts, I pull up how many minutes it is and then divide it by three, so I know roughly where to break. Yes, yeah. roughly. And even this one, I was just like, this one, I was like twelve or th- it's going to be like twelve or thirteen minutes once you the fat on e- either end. This one, it was like seven, and then like the the fifteen minute breaking out of prison scene. And then, like, the last, like, seven minutes. But even then, like, it's so juicy. It's juicy. It's juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. When they take you away from the prison, they give you something else worth seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. To, oh, God, yeah. yeah. I'm going to butcher some something- scars guard in this. <laughs> Just saying. All right, you ready to get to this? I'm ready. <clears throat> and or <coughs> excuse me sorry uh and or episode 10 one way out aired on november 9th 2022 it was written by bo wilman wilman sorry and it was directed by toby haynes some extra information for you jesse who is one of the daughters of ferrix is played by pamela nomvet from the series agents and gangs of london davo 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 scotland scotland I'm laughing because I have a joke later in the in the in the recaps, and it made me laugh. So, <laughs> and I'm laughing now, and it's gonna fall flat because that's how that's how I do comedy badly. Davo Scott uh, Scolden Scolden I can't say Scolden um, is played by Richard De- Delane Delane from Pennyworth and The Dark Knight. I don't know how to read. The voice of God, a.k.a. the guy who makes all the announcements and is revealed in this episode, is played by Martin Ware. Dr. Molmoy, who treats Marva, is played by Matt Dunkley, who is actually a professional conductor. This is his second acting credit, and his orchestral work includes being the conductor for the Andor soundtrack, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which came out today and I will be seeing on Saturday. Ah! Oh, I didn't know that was out already. It came out today. I'm seeing it on Saturday. Bah, 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 bah. And already people are like, avoid the spoilers like the plague. And I was like, fuck, I have to do my job online. Ah. <laughs> and he also did Succession and more. So, ah, Yoda, I need your help. Oh, Yoda can help. Mm, I need help your her. help. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Chris is sick. Mm. And I have to assume, and you're like 10,000 years of life on this planet, you have to have some sort of remedies for when somebody is sick. So what are your sick remedies to help Chris feel better? Mm. Yoda has one cure for everything. Okay. What is it? Space high colonic. Space what? High colonic. I don't 
Say hi to Kalonic. Say hi to Kalonic? Kalonic. Kalonic. Space hi Kalonic. Space <laughs> Kalonic. Oh, oh, oh. I we should learn about space high colonic. I feel yes, like it is very good. Very helpful. Very helpful. Mm. Okay, I'll Google. Tell me about it, Yoda. Mm, cleans, cleans out. Yes, cleans out all the bad. The all colonic, the bad. like the colon. Oh, the colonic. Yes. Sorry. Not I like the colon. colonic like calorie, and I didn't know what you meant. No, eat lots of greasy food, then high colonic. My cat did that tonight. I'm not looking forward to that. High colonic for a cat? Yes, very fun. Yeah, we baked chicken tonight, and she definitely found the grease out in the woods. Mmm, yes, like grease through a cat? Yes. Mm-hmm, but she's 18. She gets whatever the fuck she wants at this yes. point. Yes, so. yes. Okay, so... How does that help him feel better if it's like a lung thing? Lungs connected to colon. Everything connected, yes. Deep enough colonic might 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 clean lungs, yes. Maybe put some light in there, yes. Bleach, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Yoda doesn't know. Bleach? No! Clean, clean out. Clean, very clean. So you're saying that we should take some like some like olive oil, right? Fuck it. We're gonna get some olive oil, maybe like some like goose oil, because fuck it, there should be gooses goose in this. Why not? Oil. Yes. Some nice geese oil nice. with like a like a splash of bleach and like what, like a sprig of mint for flavor. Mm. Maybe maybe UV light a little bit. Put a UV light with battery in there too. Mm-hmm. Send we, it all up. Mm. And then we like stare at the sun for some too. See what happens? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Stare at the sun. Clean. Yeah. Yeah. In your Great. eyes. Now, do do we have clean to wait? Clean eyes for, means clean body. Do we have to wait for like a hurricane? Because like you know, if if we use a sharpie, we can you know direct where hurricanes could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Like the hurricane stirs it. Oh, use the force. Yoda always okay. uses force. Okay, so UV light, bleach, all that, and it will help. Yes. Help Chris feel better. Very. Clean. What about vaccines? Vaccine. Use the Vaseline to make the high colonic work better. Yes. No, 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 no. Vaccines. Who is vaccine? Yoda does not know vaccine. Oh. Yoda's oh. at vaccine down at the at the corner store. Very Aww. nice. Well, speaking of corner store, here here's uh here's a dollar. Go go oh. buy <laughs> and go buy Chris some Powerade. <laughs> there he goes. Yeah, I'm not giving you that. Thinks a dollar is a lot of money. It's so cute. Say what? He thinks a dollar is a lot of money. It's so cute. I know, I know. You know, he's he's he runs right over to my corner store, and the guy in there is like, "We have nothing for a dollar." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can have book of matches. He would try though. He would try. He, yeah, he gotta let him try. He likes, you know, he likes talking to people and going to the store. So, you know, mm-hmm. if he's not back in 24 hours, we'll call the police. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> act one. Act one. I'm ready. <clears throat> so 
uh, do I need to do a recap of the last week? It's the prison arc. We all know that Cassian's in prison. Anyway, Olaf died. We open after Olaf died. And you know what? This guy got like a whole episode credit for two seconds of being zipped up in a bag. Good for you. <laughs> you got all the money for this one appearance. Anyway, uh, they are taking Olaf's sad dead body away, and Cassian and Kino are getting a moment to talk because they were there, so I guess being with a dead body allows them to change clothes? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so they are taking a moment, and Cass is like, Kino, tomorrow, it's a thing. It's our only chance. They're gonna bring a new guy. We have to do it. We have the numbers. They don't have the numbers. This is our opportunity. We should do it. Peer pressure. And Kino's like, I don't know. I'm had a lot is happening. My world is changing and I don't like it. And Cassian's like, I really don't care right now. <laughs> You're just, your world's just gonna have to change faster, man. Change faster. And he's like, I, I'm scared, Cassie. And he's like, that's okay, Andy Circus. You're acting your ass off. Now, uh, power doesn't panic. Does that make you feel better? And Kino's like, no. <laughs> anyway, they get back to the bunks. And because it was the end of their day shift. And all the pris- other prisoners were like, what happened? And Cassian gets up on his bunk like a fucking hero. And he's like, people of my prison level. They killed a- it's true, the rumors that you heard. They doth kill- they doth- they doth? They doth kill a hundred men. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. I don't know, this is- wow. Anyway, um, uh, they killed a hundred men and they're- they're- they're, they're gonna so die- Suddenly Cassian's get... like Moses or something. I guess, in this rendition. Cassian's the lawgiver. <laughs> You know, he had to swim to get the Ten Commandments. And once they got out of the prison, you know, that's how they do. He was like, let my people go, and then we'll just Palpatine, swim with Yoshi. let my people go. Except for you, Kino. You gotta stay here, because you can't swim. Okay, bye. Anyway, Cassian's like, everything that happened is true, and everyone starts panicking, and Kino is just like, shut up! I just have to have... My two seconds of really good acting. And then we look at Andy Serkis's face for like five seconds for like really good acting. And then he's like, I'm on this planet now. It's true. We're breaking out tomorrow. We're going to act normal. We got this. Get sleep. Good night. And everyone's like, yes, Andy Serkis. We checked in with one whole scene with the bad guys. Because uh, they, the dead pilot they captured, I think, last week. I don't fucking know. Um... Uh, they, they sent it out, and Krieger's men have found the dead pilot. And remember, Krieger was supposed to be working with Saul Guerrero like three episodes ago. And Saul was just like, no fuck off. So I guess, you know, plot armor. Good job, Saul, for not dying until Rogue One. And anyway, the ISB is setting up a trap. And Dedra's like, ha ha ha, Partigas, we got him on our net. And Partigas is like, you're such a good lackey. And essentially, this entire scene is for Lonnie, who's been here the entire time, to step up and he's like hi guys i'm lonnie and i'm here to finally enter the show and everyone's like yay lonnie you finally get to do things and lonnie's like thanks everyone you'll see me in act three and dedra and partagas are like okay anyway a new dawn is dawning (laughs) a new day is dawning (laughs) a new day is dawning um and it's time for Cassian and his friends to break out of prison. And Kino 
has his first of many fucking awesome speeches. So as they are standing there, waiting for the door, the, the floor is not to be all shockety shock shock. Kino's like, listen up. Hold on. Hope you said, I just thought of a joke. <laughs> and I need to type it and look it up. Hold, please. <laughs> Hold on. You can cut all this out. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so Kino's like, listen up, everybody. <laughs> be cool, be cool. I'm going to ruin the joke. This is going to be our one and only time we're going to get to do this. We have to do it today. Do you understand? I know it's hard, but I already consider myself a dead man right now. A day may come when the courage of men fails, and we may forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men come crashing down, but it is not this day. This is the day we fight. And everyone stares at him, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong movie franchise. <laughs> Thank you, this was Hope Butcher's horrible jokes. And anyway, it's time for them to start their day like normal, so they can get the heck and heck out of there. Oh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> On Ferrix, we finally get to meet Jesse. You know, we've been hearing about Jesse for a while now, and like, you know, she's like their friend. And like, we've heard about Jesse for like, since like episode three or four or something like that. It's been a hot, no, it's like episode three. Um, and so it's, like, really nice to finally see her. Let's have more Jessie, please. And it turns out Marva is dying because she's, uh, not taking her meds anymore. Because she's just like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm a rebel. And I'm gonna fucking say fuck it to my medicine. And Senta is watching all this happen. And Corv, the ISB agent, is also watching all this happen. And they kind of look at each other. And Corv is just like, sup. And Senta's like, sup. And then they just, like, go back to awkwardly staring. And, because it's Marva's Death Watch Hour, I guess. That was a good band, by the way. No, I'm, that's, sorry, I'm thinking Death Lock. Or Death Clock, whatever. Whatever the band in Metalocalypse is. Oh, but we got chicken on the 1%. So, uh, it's Mon Marthma. Mon Marthma. Mon Marthma. And she is meeting with a gangster named Dadbo Scuttlebutt. I don't fucking know what his name is. I clearly could not say his name earlier, so he's just Davo Scuttlebutt now because I can't say his name because Skuld Skuldun Skuldren is really hard for me to say for some reason. And Mon is just like, "Hello, Davo. I am gonna sit here and not move a single." Like Genevieve O'Reilly does not move in like this entire scene. Like she just sits perfectly still and just tilts her head back and forth. It's really great. And she's like, "I'm just gonna stand here and do nothing." Hello, I'm clearly not a fan of you. Ha 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 ha! And Davo is like, "That's fine. I know you're not a fan of me." Ha 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 ha! Anyway. I hear you're in need of help because, you know, like, you lost a lot of money. What's this charity? And she's like, you don't need to know that. Anyway, what are your thoughts on how to do this? Before I, you know, want to drop kick you in the face. And he's just like, ha ha, tee you're so funny. Anyway, traditions and stuff. And she's like, ha ha ha, you know, traditions suck sometimes. And he's like, not in this case. Anyway, um, uh, business? And she's like, yes, I'm going to give you a, pee a fee because I don't want to owe you anything. And... You know, you're a gangster. I'd rather not owe you a favor that can wreck my life. And he's just like, oh, you're so funny, Mon. Tay. Oh, yeah, Tay Colm is in the room, but no one cares. Uh, Tay Colm is in the room. And he's like, isn't she funny, Tay? You're so funny. Your fee is your daughter. And Mon Moth's like, Mon Moth and starts like getting up and like taking off her earrings. And she's just like, okay. Okay, keep going. What do you mean? And then I'm just take 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 home my earrings. What's going on with this? And he's like, look, 
my son is 14 and Lita is, you know, like 13 and Shandrilla sucks with arranged marriages and they should meet. And like, Mon's like taking off her 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 jewelry and like, t- like she's like, no, I'll keep on the rings. Gotta keep on the rings for you. What? Is that the only offer? And he's like, yes, that is the only offer. So, uh, you know, we're good citizens and you should, shouldn't do a nonconformity, traditions and all that. And Tay's like, uh, I'm going to have to get you out of here, uh, Davo, before she kicks you in the face. And he's like, it's cool, it's cool. I know she's thinking about it. Okay, bye, Mon. And Mon's like putting her jewelry back on because the fight's over. And then she has a tiny little breakdown and shudders because she just realizes that, hey, to save the galaxy, she has to sell her daughter. End of act one. Yeah, she knows she's going to do it, too. Mm-hmm. She's, I, I got my note here. Mon Mothma doing her best praying mantis impression. <laughs> Why Just a praying in, mantis? Because praying mantises have, she has, like, that, like, big, long neck and, like, pointy head. You know, she's got a praying mantis head. And praying mantises will sit there totally still and just turn their head and that's what she was doing she was just standing and and praying mantis is always like pissed and she's pissed in this you know mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah i i i i love i i love that scene where you know the the where you know she has to help the the crime lord and he's just gonna make her squirm you know mm-hmm. he's 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 gonna rub it in do you, let, let's go ahead and do the, the like this out get this one out of the way because um i since, since we're here i i missed the part where davo says something on the lines of like yeah i've met your husband many times yeah. but i've never met you and i was like perrin why are you hanging out with an oligarch and, and then i had a thought of like no I'll that bet, tracks <laughs> she goes i bet i bet I bet he has. <laughs> so she did didn't know, but like, yeah, she's like, yeah, it makes it. He's probably borrowed money to pay a de- gambling debt to keep it secret, you know, or and, something. And that's like that. the thing. Like, that was probably the worst piece of information for Davo sure. to give away because sure. now Mon Mothma can go, oh, I Good. know my husband has this gambling thing. If I need Good. to, I can always throw him under the bus and be like, "Oh, those four hundred miss- thousand missing credits was my husband's gambling debt." Yeah, go ahead and frame that Weasley motherfucker. That's yeah. what I think. go for it. We're gonna have so much fun bashing Perrin and the feedback this week. Stay yeah. tuned. Yep, I will. I will do my. I will do my part of that. Um, mm. Mostly, I, the the thing I like about this part is like how you know, um, um, Andy Circus knows what's going on, but like it takes Cassian to to lay it out, you know. And uh, you can they they just had a very clever way of showing the shift when they're when they're arguing, and I think they were changing clothes when- maybe maybe after the body they had to go get like a decontaminated or something like that. So yeah, yeah, goes back out. That's what I think was going on. Yeah, but, and, but, and you're right, because you have that moment where, you know, when Cassian comes into the prison, like, two episodes ago, like, Andy, uh, Pino is the one that's, like, kicking him around, and you have that moment where Cassian looks at him and is just, like, on program, now, right, and, like, right, he that's takes command. Right, 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 right after, yeah, after Kino's ordered him on program, so, and, 
and you know i the just the way he lays out you know there's sort of no win situation or, or nothing to lose situation you know and uh i mean that's a uh, that's a pretty i, I mean he, his argument is pretty airtight <laughs> you know um and, and you uh, see like starting in the next act how how close like how it is their only chance because when they start their act the next day they the voice of god character automatically starts laying down new rules of like we're gonna start shocking people in discriminatory like we're not gonna and like we're gonna just do whatever the fuck we want now so this is their only chance because if they don't get out today it's gonna get worse yep yep and yep and uh you know, it's 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 that perfect combination of the empire not being ready and the climate amongst everybody else who finds that, you know, that, you know, the news is getting the And that's the thing is the news is getting around no matter what that uh, that they're not getting out of there. And I'm sure Kino thought that through of like, if we let this go and we all know that we're not getting out of here, it's going to be even more hellish. <laughs> of a of a scenario so yeah it was uh it was pretty much the only thing they could do so i and i love it i love also the scene of uh andor you know just pushing that red light to the last second you know of jumping back you know giving his speech and then hopping right back in his cell with the with the red light switching was is just this this episode is full of little touches like that that are just wonderful mm-hmm but that's all I really got for the the first part. I have a line here that just says Andy Circus's face. Oh yeah. The thing is, I know what part that is though. The reason I wrote Andy Circus's face is when they first get get back, and Cassian is telling everybody what happened. But you have that like scene of Kino in his cell, and he's just like staring into the camera, wrestling with these emotions and this decision. And it's just like, as, as Cassian is talking off screen, it's just like seven seconds on Andy Serkis' face. It is just really good acting. So that's why I have in big letters, Andy Serkis' face. Um, Power doesn't panic is probably one of the best Star Wars lines ever written. Yeah. I think about that, those three words, probably more than anything else from this show. I've taken, I've probably quoted that more from anything else in the show. I, I don't know what it is, but like that phrase has stuck with me. And yeah, I, I love that, that phrase. Um, Could it be because you're in watching in real time, our power structures panicking? <laughs> you know, yeah. <in> life. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why. I've definitely quoted it to people. Mine might have a little bit of resonance to people. <laughs> Possibly. So. Um, and, and about like the scene of like the transition of power between Kino and and Cassian as like you know Cassian is just like this is the this is the idea this is what we're doing. Um, it's just a nice change of where he is now versus where he was nine episodes ago when we started. Um, and I'll definitely get more into that in Act Three because we're going to talk more about the word climb today. Everybody, we're back. Um, uh, 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 and I just. Sorry, I'm reading my, my notes. Uh, yeah, damn good acting. <laughs> I have a line here that says, Hi, Lonnie. Thanks for joining the show. <laughs> Hi, Lonnie. 
Connie, you're in the series now. And, but, but it's so like, cause we've been talking about Bonnie um, throughout the show about how like on a second rewatch, like now that we know he's a mole, like he's so much more noticeable. Like, and I, and I think there was a very deliberate choice of also casting a redhead because in the room he sticks out. Yeah. And as in same thing with Dedra, because she's like the only like blonde in the room too. So I do wonder like if that went into it. But I have enjoyed watching him sliding in more and more. And then th- since this is the episode of his reveal, this is the most he's done all season. Where he's walking up to Partigaz and he's like, Mr. Partigaz, this is what we should do. And this is what I think about this and blah, blah, blah. Because he's about to be revealed. But it's been slowly like he was just a guy. And we talked about how Andor is very good at just having people be just guys. Like Melshi is just a dude in the background. Um, and so with Lonnie, though, what I like is he's just a guy from like episode four through four and five. And then they slowly pepper him in more and more. And they slowly let the camera linger on him more and more. Until finally in this one, he's like, I'm doing things and talking with Partigas and I'm being active. And then we reveal that he's a mole. And I just it's really called, like called, how they've handled his character. It's called good filmmaking is what that's called. Good writing, good filmmaking is what that's called. Because like I remember when I it watched it. It stands out time. because you don't see it that often, you know? Mm-hmm. Or uh, no, uh, nobody, writers can't resist like give it giving away the ghost too easily you know and and there's no reason to tell us anything about Lonnie until this moment so you know in the story so they don't do it you know whereas most places just wouldn't be able to keep it in their pants most most writers i'm i'm bad at that i'm one of those writers where i'm just like i want to tell you all my ideas right now no no, you dripping, dripping, dribs and drabs and drips and need to know. No, I'm very bad at keeping my own secret. I can keep other people's secrets. I'm very bad at keeping my own, though. Like, I'm really bad at it. Um, hey, I said I would come back to this when we were talking about, about the Aldani arc. So here we go. So remember how in the Aldani arc when uh, Cassian is talking with Nimic and Nimic's all like, I couldn't sleep and you slept like a stone because you don't believe in something and I don't have my beliefs. My beliefs are not helping me sleep. Cassian doesn't sleep the night before the, the prison break because he actually gives a shit now. And I think that's a really nice kind of switch for him because the Aldani arc is was the beginning of the change and then the prison arc was... It affecting him. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about Nimic later, so we'll come back to that, too. Um, I sort of halfway mentioned this, but uh, the last detail during the Sky Bridge of one last effort, one last-ditch effort of the Empire to silence the prisoners was a new rule and protocol not to talk and be on program at all times, just seals that this is their only chance. Also, the fact that Andy Serkis didn't get more award hype for this episode is a goddamn crime! <laughs> I cannot believe he did not get more award nominations for this episode. I am. He's I, fighting with Luthen. Uh, um, neither. Actually, Scarlet didn't this. get a lot of a lot of uh, award noms either. And I'm like, look, yes, Diego Luna should get this. They should definitely be getting some supporting and guest roles, though. Like, well, you know, you know, I it might just be a it just might be a a matter of both of them are kind of like film actors. And, you know, m- maybe they're just like, you know, we don't want to, like, have all the film actors come in and sweep up all the acting awards, you know, for 
from the television actors. Okay, so, okay. Anyway, bullshit. I, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, and, well, yeah, but the the whole award scene is bullshit. So, you know, I mean, it is. It is a popularity contest. But, and honestly, like I I now that being said, they were probably submitted it's whether or not they were picked up as nominations because you only have so many. There's a reason we have 21 movies up for Oscar contention every year for the best movie because you can't have like 21 actors up for the same category. It's it's I mean, it's it's not like people didn't recognize people. People definitely recognized Andy Serkis and Skarsgård. Yeah, like this is this uh, from episode, this episode people, in particular, but like people were like in the last episode when Kino was like, you know, no more than nine men, you know, people were like, Kino on the internet after that, you know. So I it, was like uh, that. <laughs> and then after the speech, people were just like, God damn, that speech was like watching a Tarantino movie or something. So that, that, that it's not like it, it's not like they went unnoticed. So at yeah. least they're bad, I guess. Yeah. The fans are noticing. Absolutely. Um, uh, okay, so I just want to talk a, little, a second about Jesse because she has been kind of an important character who hasn't been here. And I do both like and also question that choice because she ends up being a very vital character in the finale. And unlike a lot of our, like, little ISB agents who have been here for a few episodes and then have, like, a big finale moment, like, Corv and the guy who, like, kicks over B2 Emo, like, they've been talking about Jesse since, like, episode three. And it's just one of those things where, like, it, it was, it had to be episode three. Because it's when Cassian comes home and he's just like, why do we, why are you locking the door now? And, like, he has that conversation with Marva and they're going back and forth. Uh, no, actually, it was episode two because they're talk- They were fighting about the whole um, the whole corpo thing, and because Marva goes, "Who have you told about being from Canari?" And he said, "Who have you told?" And Marva says, "Just family, like Jesse." So, like, so she's been around since episode two, but this is the first time we've seen her, and she ends up being a really major role to save Bix, Brasso, Wilman, and Cassian and B2Emo in the finale, and so, like, she's... I feel like we needed to see her sooner. I feel like she should have just been around on Ferrix, even if she's not speaking, or, like, passed by, like, even if it's something as simple as, like, in the very first episode, when Cassian is bouncing around Ferrix, he can pass Jesse and be like, good morning, Jesse." Just to like throw her face out there because she ends up being like a back end, very vital character when it comes to this, when it comes to Marva's death, Marva's funeral, saving the lives of four Mm. or five major characters. And it's just so weird that she's just it's, it's one of those things that like I didn't like when we got to the finale watching for the first time, my first time through, I didn't know who she was. And, you know, this is my third time watching Andor through. So I know I'm aware of who Jesse is. But now, like, very critically, I, I just wish they would have used her more. Uh, because she I, ends up being a very important character. I, I look at it this way. It, with a character like Marva, Marva is a very important character in the town. And, like, so she has a lot of friends and connections and, you know, people close to her and stuff. 
that if you wanted to realistically show all of them, it would be too many characters for, but like, so you have a character like Jesse that you don't really see that much, but gets mentioned and stuff because there would be, there would be people like that in their life that, you know, where somebody would just offhand mention hey, is, have you talked to Jesse about it or anything like that? And, and there would be like a lot of people like that probably in her, in her life. So there, you know, and so Jesse's just sort of in that, you know, plot zone of where she's sort of there to show like, you know, Marva's, you know, Marva's got links to the daughters of Ferrix and, you know, like every, like all the kids probably grew up knowing her, knowing her and stuff like that. So having people that are just sort of on the fringes of her influence that you see a little bit of, or, you know, since they were mentioned, you know, they, they turn up or or not and there's probably been other names that we've heard that just never turn up or anything just it just made to me it just makes it feel more immersive you know and and realistic you know i agree on the realism of it but i counter with it's a tv show we needed to see her sooner I, even if she was just like hanging out in the background or just like passing by, like she is someone that we should have saw the face sooner of, and like maybe there's deleted scenes, like maybe it's like she has this whole scene in the first episode that we just don't know about. I mean, um, her her character doesn't anything do anything that we really need to know what her, you know, you know, other than she's just like a friend of Marva's, you know. That's about all we really need to know, story wise. You know, it's it's just you know. You have only so much, so much time, so much time for, you know, story and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. I do agree um, on that, but there's no reason why you can't have her just like walking around in the background. The little alien guy in the first but, three uh, episodes, wait, 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 wait. The little alien guy who's just walking around in the first three episodes, who's just an extra. I recognize him and know him more than I know Jesse, who is a character who comes and does major things and saves our characters. Yeah, that's because, okay. Like, but that's he okay, was just I there, think. and like he's yeah. always there. That's okay. I mean, if you walk down the same stretch of Times Square every day, you might see some weird guy that's doing, you know, that's dressing like five Michael Jacksons with sticks and doing dances and go like, oh, there's that guy. I know him more than <laughs> this one person that's my friend's friend that I only met once, you know? It's it, it I, yeah. It's I I like I I enjoy all I enjoy all that stuff. I like it. It's it's it, if they it seems like with this story they were just like if it's not necessary, it's then it's just you know, then it's just uh it, it you know if only use stuff to the extent that it's necessary you know dramatically. So, so there'll be a lot of stuff left out, but like, you know, my, um, Jesse only has to do one thing in the story and it actually could have like, it could have been anybody, but the, the fact that they gave her a name and, you know, mentioned her before just means they sat down and plotted out Marva's social circle and, you know, and how things would, would go on and yeah. And you just can't. You just can't, like, maybe in the end or novelization. Yeah. I 
I usually agree with how that show does this, like, like, like 99.9% of the time. Like, this is the 0.1% it doesn't work for me. Like, um, I, I, like my brain like, is barely... Like, with Lonnie, the, like, the I think it, what they do with Lonnie is really well, well, really well done. What they do with Melshi, like, he's just a dude. But, like, if you know it's Melshi, then you're just like, fucking Melshi! Um, but I don't know, I just, I, I feel like they missed the mark on Jesse. Like this, this is like the one character I I feel like I missed it on. But that's just me. Maybe Jesse's really boring. Have you ever or annoying? Maybe that they they were just like, yeah, let's bring in Jesse, and they're like, ah, people don't like the. She's got a real nasally voice. She doesn't though. She has a really <laughs> really pretty British accent. <laughs> Get out of here. Anyway, let's talk about Davos Scuttlebutt. Um. He, I wrote here, he says the line, one of the indulges of great wealth is freedom from other people's opinions. And I added, also not giving a butt fuck about the worth and worries of people, said the CEOs of all corporations. I can't remember the name of the actor. And he's a classic. He's an old guy actor. He played the Green Goblin in the original Spider-Man movies. That's uh, who this oh, actor is. Oh, fuck. What is his name? William Defoe. Defoe? William Defoe. The, the, this actor reminds me like William Defoe with like a thicker face. You know, he's got a little more blocky face than William Defoe, but he's still got that same sort of like, like, yeah, he does. Just like I'm, oh, I'm like William Defoe always looks like I'm involved with crime, <laughs> and this guy's got the same look to him. You know, mm-hmm. he can look dignified and stuff, but he looks like he's he looks like he's had a little saltier life than Mon Mothma. It's good casting. It is, it is, and actually, like what I really like about that scene is you can tell that he's just living it up. He's yeah. we're so used to watching like Mon Mothma like perfectly orchestrate people that I think it's really interesting to see her out of her depths and getting outplayed because he knows exactly what he's doing. This is probably not his first Senator he's had to fuck with. And oh, no, yeah, no, he is quite used to wielding power. <laughs> yeah. And used to it. in something that we've talked and about is how, Oh, go ahead. He probably has less constraints on how he wields power than Mon Mothma does. Mm-hmm. Being an oligarch, oh, you know he has a lot. Being of, like, an oligarch, and, and 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 they're hinting that he's not just an oligarch, but he's, he's like a crime lord. You know that he's like, yeah, you know that he's a gangster. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably friends with a lot of higher up imperials to like let right. stuff happen. Um, but what's interesting, I think about this is uh, what was I going to say about Mon Mothma? Um, oh, we were talking about like one of the things interesting parts about Mon Mothma. And Cassian, for that matter, in the show, is they're both still, like, figuring out how to spy and how to do this. And so I really enjoy seeing Mon Mothma pushed with her back against the wall, morals out on the table, completely raw. Because up to this moment, like, she's been fairly in control of everything up until about the last two episodes, like, when she's talking with Val and being open up of just, like... Oh, I fucked up. Like we we haven't we're really oh, seeing Oh, she's got that the now. sword of Damocles over her head now with the with the, you know, with when they audit her books, you know, when yeah. they do the, the the audit through everything, she's got a time limit before her whole gig is up. So Yeah. Yeah, she's against she is against the wall, you know. And, and I, I think that's the most fascinating cuz we haven't seen I don't think we've No, we have never seen Mon Mothma at any point in Star Wars like this. 
And I, it's just a really beautiful performance by Genevieve, just giving a very raw, raw and vulnerable uh, performance, especially when she finds out the price is Lita. And that, to me, is so fascinating of a predicament for Mon Mothma because it is her it is her Luthan moment like to refer to like Luthan's speech in the third act this is her Luthan moment what is the great what is the greater good worth do you save billions and billions and probably trillions more than that I think like the there's like a hundred quadrillion people or whatever I looked it up once in the galaxy do you value their lives over your own daughter what is the greater good? What does that greater good mean to you? And will you sell your own child to save the galaxy? And I love watching her in this predicament. I think it's so good because I'm real scared. You know, I don't. I, I think Perrin's going to get his ass kicked to the curb. But I, I feel like Davo might be a horrific blessing in disguise because he would keep Lita safe. Of course, she's being sold off to a crime family, but that might be the safest place for Lita. Right, right. Well, and who's to say she? Who's to say they're gonna even like each other? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, arranged the, the two fourteen-year-old kids—they might be just like. Ew. Well, we know that they arranged the marriages because Perrin and Mon Mothma have their ups and downs, as we've seen. Right, but he did say, you know, I'm not asking. I'm just asking that they meet. You know, so like that's essentially saying, uh, like, I want a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um. But it's, I, I just, I think it's really fascinating moment for Mon's character because this is the line of sand and she will cross it and she has to cross it to save the galaxy. But I, I, it's and to been, save her own ass too. <laughs> yeah. And it's a moment where her soul is finally being blackened. Like she's been probably the purest character in this where she's been trying to do everything the right way. And like, this is where we were talking last week where she's a lot like Kino. She's been trying to use the system given to her to save the world, but it's a broken system. So it's not going to work ever. And so she does have to, she does have to cross that line and step into what Luthen says, where you use the tools of your enemy to fight them. And she has to step oh. into the realm of this like gangster blackening, darkening her soul line to become more morally gray at the cost of her daughter to save the galaxy. And it's just really fascinating storytelling for her because she's always appears on this pedestal and it's a very human moment and it's really good acting by Genevieve. And I really love yep. this. So. Yep. And, and, and it's, I, I love the Mon Mothma character because she's not really a, a very appealing character. She never has been. I mean, actually, except for Return of I'm the gonna Jedi. I'm going to say for Chris, I disagree, but go on. <laughs> except for Return of the Jedi, she's never been like... Return of the Jedi, she just seemed like... Her name even... She seemed very mom-like in it. And like, uh, you know, and and this. But like, when when we get to her, you know, like uh, Rogue One and stuff, she's she's a lot more prickly character. And I... I like I kind of like her I kind of you know I I mean she's a politician I'm not I don't like politicians <laughs> and she is a full she is a full politician and it's it's she's a fascinating character but I don't know if like I I don't like I don't vibe with her but I vibe with her story and I like that I like that she doesn't have to be 
a completely I mean they said they they said they they patterned her after Nancy Pelosi. I'm not a fan of Nancy Pelosi, but I could totally see it, you know. I I I think it gives Nancy Pelosi a lot of credit. But I can see it. It's uh, the, I think they said that to show she's a politician, you know. She is, you know, she's got all the, you know, all the 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 and she's a like a a, a aristocratic you know sort of you know privileged bringing up you know semi like kind of royalty feel to it you know and yeah i i like i don't find her like i oh, i love mon mothma you know and blah 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 but i like that she's portrayed as that to me and it's still super compelling and fascinating to watch you know i i like that better i don't I, I I want I especially in Andor I, I I you know she like Luthen is a lot more appealing of a character to me than Mon Mothma because he's more direct you know of of a of a um you know of a rebel and uh, it's it, it's fascinating to me you know I'm not saying that like in any way to detract from her character because I think it's to I think it helps. I, I, I don't think she's written to be, comp- you know, I think she's written in a very, everybody's written in a very complex manner in this. I love yeah. it. Here's the thing. Characters are allowed to be unlikable. Yeah. And no, I- no, I'd rather, you, you gotta have some be unlike, some of the best lead characters are unlikable people. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm saying this like, of- I, I don't agree with you. I actually really like Mon Mothma's character, but I'm backing you up on this one. That and like your and your love of uh, and your feelings of her being unlikable to you. Like I wouldn't want to hang out and have a opinion. beer with Mon Mothma or or you know a fizzy drink with a with a tequila worm in it or whatever they're drinking. I pr- I would rather hang out with Luthen than with 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 uh, Mon Mothma. You know, Luthen would feeling. bullshit you the whole time. Just be like, look at this collection of Naboo headpieces or whatever. Uh, well, that, well, yeah, that that I mean, that's my that's my childhood is hanging out in an antique shop. So there's that too. <laughs> so, uh, that's all I have for this act. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, I'm ready for act two. We're gonna have a tiny scene, and then the meat. Ready to feast on the meat. I'm ready. I'm ready for the meat. Put it in your mouth. Chew it up. Spit it out. All right. It's overcooked. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh. oh, I hear my kitty. I just got I just got a message from my roommate. Did you feed the cat? Because she's acting like she didn't get fed. And I'm like, don't let her bullshit you. I hear her. She's screaming outside. I hear her. Bitch rolled in flour today. That would had battered raw chicken. That's oh, why of I was course, like, I'm sure it's, you. Yeah, well, cats like dusty, flowery stuff too, because it's 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 sort of like to clean their fur. They'll roll in dust. I, my my neighbor cat, when I come over, I'll brush him, and he'll look all beautiful. And the first thing he does is go right over in the dust and start rolling around, get himself up. Does that when it's pretty. pollen season? And because he loves to roll around on the porch, which is covered in yellow, and so he goes from a black cat. To a yellow cat, and then he has to be held down with a wet rag and wiped down. I know. 
because he's very there have been multiple times where i've let him in and before i've gotten the wet rag he's jumped in my bed and i was just like fuck i gotta wash my sheets now cat thank you you're 15 pounds of pollen thanks anyway act two just meet him at the door Wait. of the vacuum they'll learn Hold on. I'm sorry, she was literally just sitting outside my door. Hi, baby. Are you gonna try and eat my cheese up skin? Yeah. You wanna talk about Kino Loy? Do you think he died? No. Do you think he died? Okay, ow, get off my boob. Okay, I love you. All right, so act two? Act two. With cat, now with 100% more cat. Cat two. Cat too. Yes, act, it is. Anyway, act and so cat are just almost the same words. Yes, they are. They're just they're uh what anagrams, right? Anagrams yep. is what they're called. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, act two. So Clay is coming to work late because she's real big scared, and Clay comes in and she's like, Luthen, Luthen, Luthen. I saw the signs and they were all like broken and there's like chalk marks and shit and stuff like that. He, he wants a meeting. And Luthen's like, ah, oh, shit, he does. It's been over a year. By the way, it's Lonnie. Just wink, wink, nod. So they're talking about Lonnie. And they're like, wow, he hasn't contacted us. And Clay is like, I don't like this. And Luthen's like, you don't like anything. And she's like, you know what? It could be a trap. He's like, well, it's a trap. We're all fucked. Let's go meet Lonnie, everybody, in Act 3. No one's got time for that because it's time to break out of prison for the next 15 minutes. What? I'd let you in. I know. Okay, whatever. Anyway, so no, we gotta break somebody out of prison. And <coughs> as the guards are just like, yeah, here, hey, new guy, look at this rod, the zap rod. If I have to use it on you, you'll remember. And as all this bullshit that we saw two episodes ago happening with Cassian is happening, Cassian, everybody is moving position. It's all tense because Cassian is doing the thing where he has to like bust open the pipe. And it's all on him, and everyone's watching, and everyone's moving. Okay. You know what? Hold on. I'm so sorry. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Did you want to be let out so you can scream outside? Okay. I should never let her in. Sorry, Chris. Give me a second. Meow, 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 Oh, I love you. I'm gonna put you down now. Wow, your paws really deep in my arm. Here, go, go out there. Go scream out there. Look at that. I'm sorry. I should have never let her in. Anyway, you can cut all that out. Ow, she like really got me in the arm. Fuck. <laughs> so, so Cassian is like taking his 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 pipe and like just rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. And rubbing. And like trying to get it all like leaky and stuff like that. And it's starting to leak and it's starting to spritz. And he's just rubbing his pipe harder. Just rubs, 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 rubs. And like the guards are coming and they're coming in. And the, the, the prisoners are all just like, oh no, oh no. And the prisoners start to arm themselves. And they're all like waiting for Cassian. And he's just just rubbing the pipe as hard as he can. And it's leaking more. And it starts spritz, spritzing and finally starts gushing. He's all like, fuck yeah, let's go. And so he like 
runs out there and he skids across the floor and he gets on in on position and everyone's looking at him and he nods and they're all just like hell yeah let's fucking break out of prison and the platform starts to lower and then it's time to break out of prison and they start fighting and cassian jams the lift and they all start throwing metal bits at the guards and there's all this stuff happening and the guards are just like, oh god, oh god, it's happening, it's, it's happening. And the water is like pouring out on the floor. And they're like, shut the floor, get them. And the prisoners are like, oh god, get on the table. So they all crawl on the table. And when they shot the floor, nothing happens. Because the water has fucked up the floor. And it's time to riot. <laughs> so we get our third climb in Cassian's lifetime so far because Kino tells all the prisoners to climb and to keep climbing and to climb to safety and slowly by one one by one they start taking each floor and the guards are just like oh god and the prisoners are like fuck you let's riot and then they free more prisoners and then more people riot and Melshi's just having the best time because he's Melshi Good for you, Melshi. Go shoot some fascists before you die in Rogue One. Good for you. Anyway, long story short, there's a whole like a bunch of running around and shit like that. It comes to a head when Kino and Cassian makes it to the main central location, and the voice of God guy, <laughs> the voice of God guy, literally is like, "Um, you can't be here," <laughs> which makes me laugh. And then they shoot a guy, and the other guard in the room is like, I'm not dying for him. What do you need? How can I help you, prisoners? And Cassian is like, thank you for being the smartest Imperial in the show. And the guy's like, well, you're welcome. What can I turn off for you? And the voice of God guy is just like, oh my god, Carl. And Carl's like, I'm not fucking dying for you. So they shut everything down. They de shockify the floors. It's I'm all not dying great. for you, Steve. <laughs> right? Right? Oh, I have notes about the voice of God guy. <laughs> the fact that his name in the show is called Voice of God and he has this superiority complex, I'm like, you're perfect. Kind of. And like you. a cleft palate, too, like a speech impediment. It's and he has, he has like a wet head kind of hairstyle. Of and I'm just like, he's a, kinda, he's a swe sweaty boy. Yeah, he's kind of like, he's not quite in like the Grande Boyfriend, Blue Husbando kind of range, but I kind of, kind of dig you, Voice of God guy, just a little bit. Like you're in like, oh, you're almost, you're almost in like my evil range of just like, yeah, you're the villain that I would kind of, you, you're, the, you're not like the husband material that like Thrawn and Grande Boyfriend are. You're just like the, God, Steve, you're so fucking dumb. I'm taking off my pants. We're kind gonna work. Well, don't worry, folks. We'll be delving into Hope's bad guy fetish in the in the letters section later. It's fine. I can fix him. No, parent. Parent's not a villain to me. He's an antagonist. There's a difference because uh, I do think <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet. Anyway, so uh, they they turn off everything, and Steve and Carl stand in the corner. And then we get our second, we get the privilege and the honor of getting the, like, second amazing Andy Circus speech of the episode. And even Cassie is just like, holy shit, 
you are award-winning nomination, Andy Serkis, aren't you? And Kino's like, yes, I am. Everybody, if you can hear me, help your friends. Get the confused people up and running. We gotta get out of here, because we only got one way out, baby. One way out. And then everyone starts, like, chanting, like, one way out, one way out, one way out. And Cassian's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but this is great. And then they run. And they climb up as they're yelling, and they only have one hurdle left. They get out to the edge of the prison, and the only way out is to jump in the water surrounding the prison and swim to safety. And in the worst, most heartbreaking scene of the entire show, Cassian turns to Kino, and Kino just laughs and goes, I can't swim. And then Cassian gets shoved over the edge, leaving Kino behind for an unknown fate. Ah! Actually, I want to address this right now. Kino's fate. What do you think it is? Ah, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna. We're speculating. This is super speculate. fun. I mean, I mean, like. It oh, go if you're not way. to speculate, I'm gonna speculate. I'll, I'll tell you this about anybody who can't swim: if you throw them in the water. You know, and somebody's like, paddle your legs and arms. They'd probably be okay, you know? So, I mean, like, you know, somebody, I I mean, for one, he's Kino. A lot of people like, like and respect him. So hopefully somebody like grabbed him and said, stick with me or something like that. Like I, like I was sort of fantasizing that Kino would be like, I can't swim and would just go back in and be like, guess what? I'm going to fucking sink this thing to the bottom of the ocean you know wow <laughs> so, something like that or blow it up or something like that if you're if you're not going to make it out might as well why not just like you know totally conjigger the thing and and destroy it and uh that's that would have been my fantasy for what what kino did was just like i'm just gonna make sure nobody else ever has to spend time in this place it's so funny because you've you've almost hit mine as well. Um, because I, I want to be clear first and foremost. Um, I hope we never learn what happens to Kino. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't ever want to, and I mean that, and I, I love Andy Circus. I I hope we people like, are like maybe Kino's going to show things, up in further episodes. It's like no, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> not what it's about. Exactly. Like, I, I hope we never learn in a novel. There, there are certain things in Star Wars that don't need answered. There are certain things in Star Wars that are cheapened when we get the yeah. answers. Yeah. And I, I do think, like... Yeah, uh, what happened to Scarlett O'Hara after, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn. That's totally not the point, you know? <laughs> it's it, When stuff is left at a certain point correctly, it's magnificent and this is magnificent you know this is like you know just the most evil punchline to it you know and and it and it just deepens his character by saying you know in order you know this guy was sort of he signing his death warrant there was a he was, water around yeah, there he was and he still did everything warrant. he was signing his death warrant by by freeing everybody else so you know awesome awesome wonderful epic yeah epic so writing like, 
So before I say this, I, I just want to make it clear, even before I say this, I hope this is one of those Star Wars things we never know. We never see Kino's life after this. I, I'd be happy to see Kino's life before this. Give me all that. I never want to know anything about Kino from this point forward. Yeah. Um, because we should never know. But my idealistic rule, <coughs> my first, my I have two answers to this. My idealistic version is what you said. I think that other prisons took inspiration from his breach and helped him, because he said, "If you see someone who's help, like who's struggling and confused, help them." So that's the idealistic view. My realistic view is he stayed behind and made sure as many men got out at, as humanly possible before dying in a gunfight with the guards. That could very well be too. Yeah, that's my realistic one. So, but you know what? I never want to know. I like not knowing. There are certain things in Star Wars we don't need to know all the answers to. Stop yeah. answering every little thing, especially Padme Amidala's life. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't know why uh, that came up of all things. <laughs> uh, just keep E.K. Johnson away from all of Star Wars. It's fine. Anyway, tell me about the rest of Act 2 and your feelings towards it. I think Clea might be his daughter, maybe? Oh, I, I have so little, many mixed feelings about Clea. I was getting a little, little vibe of that. that like, like, that would maybe cons- like be why he keeps her close. Why, why, they, have, why they have such an in- intense give-and-take relationship power dynamic and i've seen i've seen that theory float around you're you're not off on that one i've seen that theory a lot i only wrote it down because i was getting that vibe this time but i love that scene where she's just like you gotta go you can't go meet him and he's just like are you kidding me i've been working on this speech for the last three years and now i get to do it i'm gonna be practicing it all the way down the elevator waiting for this guy oh, I get- i'm gonna pra- i need my good blowy robe it has to be the robe that blows in the wind that's right there's a nice breeze down there i'm finally gonna get that i was working on it a little bit last week and now i get to finally um there there's things that i noticed this this time that are just awesome like the like the water dripping down from one level to another you know just sort of copying you know the spirit of rebellion and information dripping and uh um great use of recycling sets because like i i noticed they used a lot of the same set because the whole place is probably very much you know completely the same every section of it's probably completely the same so they could get a get, i'll bet you there were just a lot of actors running around in circles <laughs> in yeah this. but it unlike obi-wan kenobi where it was filmed in the volume it doesn't feel like leia's no, running in five and, feet of circles and, and the way they film that they're, they're very skillful in the way they film that they really thought it out good um um another thing i noticed and i thought first i thought with that when they showed the other crew waking up I, that when they showed that you know, the big black guy that they sort of like prominently feature, like I think he's the night shift manager that we've passed. Yes, like, he's, with, he's I, the I'm other guy. That, the other, that, that, that he's like sort of the Kino of another of another group, and he and Kino have had a couple, you know, like talks back and forth. But when he wakes up in his cell, at first I took that scene as like he'd overslept, <laughs> and I thought it was almost like a comedy scene where he'd overslept and woke up and was like, what's going on? Where is everybody? Wait, 
<laughs> they're breaking out but it was just it was just his shift waking up but like at first i thought did i miss this guy who like overslept the rebellion um um the only other note i have is i love 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 the scene <laughs> where I think it's Cassie and just yells attack <laughs> and wings the wrench right up in the guy's head. No, it's that Kino who is, yells it. It's Kino attack. And they just wing the wrench right up in the guy's head. That to me is so basic and primal and beautiful. It, it, it like both times that I've seen that I've literally like jumped up in my chair and been like, yes, <laughs> I, the, the I there's something comedic about winging a winging a wrench off somebody's head across a room. I love it. I I just love it. It gets my it gets my blood boiling. I love it. In the right. <laughs> you, it's not a song of the episode, but can I I know what clip you can open the episode with instead of a song of the episode. Huh? It's. It's from Dodgeball. The whole if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess these guys <laughs> failed dodgeball lessons in in the prison because I just I that 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 moment when they finally fight back is just so earned and so, so built earned. up to that. Every string in this episode is pulled tight, and when they start snapping, it's just glorious glorious things too like i i didn't write this down but you know the, like the the super nazi guy when they first arrive like you've like loved mocking him like doing yeah. the whole like <laughs> that voice you've been doing for him uh-huh he's the one that's shown hiding in the closet cowering cowering, cowering. just just like pants full of poop in in there they're, they're all sitting there going like i'm not going to mention that the captain's pants smell like poop because mine smell like poop too we'll just lay here and hope that they leave us alone i love it i love it <laughs> they're laying on the ground simpering i love it mm -hmm. simper you fucks <laughs> fuck you that's all i got that's all i got simper you fucks that's my last note for act two awesome awesome um, how do I want to do this? Ah, look at that. All right, so to, to touch on Claire for a second. Um, yeah, I, because so you you all have been listening throughout, and you know I have this like back and forth thing about it, possibly Claire being the real axis, but like this is this opening scene is like the one that kind of like throws the wrench in that, and it was the first time where I think like, what if they're not an axis? What if they're like what what is it called? Like a fulcrum? Which is funny because there's a fulcrum's a thing where it's a balance where they're both sides of like the the totter the teeter totter, and so they balance each other so they're both axes. Like, isn't there a thing in physics where you have like two points that make a balance and an axis? I don't fucking know, Probably. but like it's like she wants to go to protect Luthen, but he decides to go to not put her in danger. So like I I do feel that there is. The possibility of them being father and daughter, I would buy that. And I'm, say, I think I, I'm saying father daughter, something tragic happened to the mother that might have radicalized both of them. 
Now to uh, piss everybody off when we get to Act 3, we are going back into the uh, very hated in our Discord. Luthen is a Jedi theory. <laughs> we will be going into that. And in this case, um, I think, I, I I think, still, I've think seen it's theories in the next, where Clea was his Padawan. The next time he goes to visit um, um, Saw Gerrera, I, I I have some more evidence against the Jedi theory. Mm. He does have that moment where they're looking at his cane and it does look like a lightsaber hilt. And he's like, if you're not going to use it, then like give it back or something like that. But uh, I've seen people with that theory say that maybe Clea is his Padawan. And that's why they're so in tuned with each other and protect each other. Um, I know this theory is hated. I'm almost doing it now for the lulz. <laughs> Because I only, like, 20% subscribe to it. But we're here now, everybody. And I've been building this up for this episode in particular. So thank you for coming on this journey with me, even though I know you all hate it. You know, at the beginning of this, when I had the whole Cantabite thing, and I was like, if, yeah. you, if I have a point I and it was you, please let us know. This doesn't oh, count. Yeah. No, Hope, that was, that was, that was, uh, yeah, that was just. Uh, doesn't count here. That was just springing to my brain just about, just when yeah. you said it. <laughs> Because here's the thing. This is the episode I've been waiting to build that theory towards. It's this episode. And I'll probably like, it's fine. Well, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, I, I, I have to wonder about Lonnie. If he hasn't contacted Luthen in a year, I had this moment of just like, oh, he must not feed them a lot of intel. And then we find out that Luthen feeds him intel, which I will get back to. But... I think that's really interesting that he gives Lonnie intel to better Lonnie's career. And I'm like, how many other people are Anton and uh, how many other people are like Kriegers in yep. this situation? Just yep. so Luther could get his way. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that is the burden of Luther's position is he's got a chess, chess board it. And some people are going to get, some pond. people are going to get pawned. Yep. <sighs> P-W-N-D. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, just a few, to, before we get into like the big juicy parts of the heist, so just the little things. Um, I like the little detail, like right before they start and Cassian goes to break the pipe. Like one of the guys at his table as they're working, like when they have, the, you know how they lift their hands to lift, lift the thing lift up? His hands are just shaking. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a nice little detail. Um, and I also like the little detail of um, the boards in the background when they're in the command center. And you have the imperial symbol, but the center of it is just filling with light. Um, I, I, that's a really nice piece of symbolism right there of just like light filling this imperial space and taking over it. I really like that. And of course, the, gra- the, the guards cowering behind the door is really great. Um, and that's the last of my tiny notes. So let's get into the big ones. Ready? Let's finally talk about the word climb. Climb! (laughs) For a refresher, in case for some reason you missed this, uh, there have been three instances of the word climb in Cassian's story. The first instance is in Rogue One, when K2SO is dying, and he tells Cassian and Jim to climb to escape. The second instance is when Nimic tells Cassian to climb to escape the eye. And then this is the third instance when Kino tells all the prisoners to climb to get to freedom. Um, he says it first uh, when they're 
first escaping, he tells everyone to climb. And then he says it during his speech to climb. And so in, in each of these, so, so this word, this word climb has come up in major-ish points of Cassian's life. And in each, and so this is this is my take. This is the take I started on in the eye. And this is my take on this. So I'm going to get a drink. In each of these instances, it is Cassian putting faith into other people, being Jin and K2SO, Nimic, and Kino. Chronologically, if we put them in order, being Nimic, Kimo, and then Jen and K2SO, Nimic is the first to tell him this. And it is the true believer telling Cassian to put blind faith into something. Something that Cassian has not done is put blind faith into something. Being this kid who was dying behind him, trying to get them out of this cosmic event, and he's the only one that can do it. The second time... And, and and so like what that happens with Nimic doing that, it creates a groundwork for Cassian to build on that. So the second time that he ha- hears the word climb is from Kino, which is a believer that Cassian made because Cassian has the groundwork that Nimic gave him. And he in turn gives that faith a new faith, because Kinos has his faith rocked. He believed in this other system and is shattered. And Cassian is the one, in turn, taking the groundwork that Nimic put in him to give to Kino, to inspire him to continue. And so that is the second point. And by the time we get to Rogue One, where it's him and Jen and K2SO, and K2SO is telling him that, Jin is his equal in this fight, but the plot, a big point of the plot of the of Rogue One, is Jin learning how to fight again, her becoming a believer again, her finding her faith, her finding her drive to fight, and Cassian is a major part of that, and so in in once again, like he is part of the inspiration to help cause that. So so every one of these times that we hear this word climb in three separate times has happened in major climb climaxes and climaxes climaxes and important character arcs of for Cassian. The first one is Aldani, which is when Cassian learns how to care outside of himself. The second one is the prison where Cassian is leading. He's now a leader, which is something that he wasn't doing in episode one. He was running and now he is leading. And the third is the ultimate moment where he was he gives his life to save the galaxy. And this word climb is a touchstone for every major turning point in Cassian's life. Well, Thank you for I'm coming to my Imagine we're going to have a couple more in season two. Uh, and then that's it. I'd be interested to see how they're using season two because I'm actually okay if we never hear it again. Um, I think these are the three that because things work best in three. I think these are really three good ones. Um, but I'd also be interested if they use it in season two and how it would function and why and what it would symbolize. And I wonder if that would also recontextualize all these because to me, like every time we've heard the word climb, it's at a major point of character change for Cassian. Or his death. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're using it as a theme. You know, that's a character. Death is a character change. So yeah, I just I think it's really fascinating this word, and I really love seeing it come up over and over and over again. And it's it's one of the, like the low key like one of my like low key favorite things in like Cassian's stories. This word climb and how it comes up. So 
Um, do you have anything on that before I move on? I do not. Okay. No, agree, disagree, whatever. Fucking don't fucking care. I don't care. I I mean I agree. I agree. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Steve. <laughs> And how he's so dumb, I take my pants off for him and just be like, get in the fucking bed, Steve, before I'm going to fuck you before I kill you. I love that his name is Voice of God. I think that's a really interesting choice. Um, because he is, his real name is something like if you click on like the Voice of God, God it's like unidentified Narkina guard number five or something. I think fuck they should have named minutes. him Ozzy. Huh? I think they should have named him Ozzy. No, no, no. What? Wait, why yeah. Oz? <laughs> because it's the Wizard of Oz moment. This is like a tribute to the Wizard of Oz. It's. Oh, uh, ooh. Uh, yeah. See? Like a. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Chris I knows don't, things. I Chris don't notices hate that. things. That's, yeah, that, I, that's the first thing I thought as soon as they, like, they showed that guy and you saw that he was the voice. I'm like, of course, the voice of the great god Oz is this little, little weaselly guy with a lisp. <laughs> I I, yeah. I don't hate that. Um but I, I do I do like that reveal. Like, you know, for two episodes it's just been this like ominous presence and this ominous voice. And then it's like you said, like it's a, this reveal that He's it's a just fucking pencil guy. pusher. Yeah. And and I find that funny because like the first two episodes, his title is Voice of God and then but if you like look at it, it's like random dude number five, which kind of goes into like this theme of like them not having bells and whistles about people. And this is kind of like the reverse of it, where we had like this big booming voice and it's just a dude. Um, and, but I kind of love this dude because he has such, it, it's almost like he is the embodiment of his title. He is so entitled. And like, there's a moment when Cassian and <laughs> Kino and Cassian walks in and the voice of God literally says, you shouldn't be here. Like, that's going to fucking stop them, Steve. That's not going to stop them. Steve wouldn't and, have made it out of my... If I if I was Cassian, Steve wouldn't have made it out of there. I would have shot both of those guys on the way out, cold-bloodedly, as Cassian Andor is wont to do. I would have... I would have... I would have been like, no Imperial survivors of this thing. Nobody tells a story. <laughs> nothing Nothing left but scorched, scorched earth. But... Yeah. But, I, I was very surprised that he that he left them sitting there, but he was just like, eh, these guys are harmless. <laughs> it's, you know, oh, oh, that's a very, oh, that's very fascinating. Oh, no, my brain just clicked like five different ways. Um, that's really fascinating because on one hand, you have that moment with Vel in the Aldani heist where she tries to take the high ground over the Imperial because she has that line where she's like, what, you think will kill us all? We're not you. And she tries to do the high ground. And then we pretty much feel that Cinta killed everybody. But we also know that that's not fully true because there were people left alive to identify Cassian. And it goes into this whole thought of like how we fight, which is the whole like Yoda lesson to Ezra Bridger. Like it's not about fighting, but how we fight and how much you're willing to lose your soul. But Cassian is a murderer come Rogue One. So that tells me that, like, he will kill. We've seen him kill. Yeah. But I don't think he's at the point where he's like, I'm going to shoot my allies because it's my it's for the safety of the rebellion. I don't think he's there yet. No, I think he's in I, that middle ground. Oh, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, 
shoot, shooting, shooting the voice. I, I would have shot the voice of God just out of principle. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's Steve. He's a fucking I would, asshole. I, I would have taken Steve out just, just on. I would like if I was in that prison, anybody who had a black uniform on would be a dead man. Would be like, yeah, you're you're done, buddy. <laughs> That's Carl is Al Donnie, it was a lot grayer because you had the like, you know, some pencil pushers family there. These guys don't have their family at the prison. They're all just a bunch of fucking slugs at the prison. So, you know. Yeah. Sorry. No. Sorry, dude. Sorry. No, it does give us a moment where Carl is the smartest man in the room. Yeah. Because <laughs> Steve's like, I don't know how to do that. And Carl's like, yeah, he does. And Steve looks at him, he's like, I'm not fucking dying for you, Steve. Well, also, it also shows, I mean, like, really, like, you're, you're just going to find less Imperials that are idealistically motivated who, you know, when when the, when the cards come out, they're like, I give up, don't kill me. You know, that's that's how it's always going to be because they weren't standing for anything. They just like being in power. So like, you know, they're like, Oh no, like I must fight for my, no, they're going to save their skins, you know? Oh my God. That's like such a wonderful segue into my next note, Chris. Oh, like thank you. you. Like, you know, cause that goes to Kino's speech. Cause one of the themes that we've been talking about is like the Imperial way versus community. Um, and like so much of like the Imperial way is, yeah, we'll, we'll fucking step on each other to climb to the top and not really worry about that because that's essentially like what Blevin and Dedra has been doing at the ISP all the time. But then you have like, like Kino's speech and he specifically is calling on this community. Yeah, they don't know everybody on the other levels, but they have this shared experience of this community that they've built. And they only talk through sign languages to the other levels and stuff like that, but it's still their community. And him telling... Like, you need to help your fellow man. Pick up anybody who falls. If anyone looks confused and lost, guide them. And it all comes down to this idea that no one's free unless everyone's free. And that is a very real-world thing. doesn't matter if they're, like, BIPOC, queer, uh, like, have uh, mental illness, anything. No one's free till we're all free. And I, it really invokes that notion. But... And, and to kind of like slide into another thing, for some, it, this is one of those like Star Wars it rhymes things, because it, it's just a theme throughout media. When Kino is talking about how like nobody knows what's happening and nobody knows what's happening inside the prison, so they have to get out to tell everybody, that's the plot of the pit in Vision season two, which I find really fascinating. And we are going to talk about visions. We're going to do visions after we finish Andor before we get into Bad Batch. Because, and I find that really interesting because that that short was probably being created when this was being filmed. And they were more than likely not working together. But the person, the, the director and the writer of the pit does work at Lucasfilm. Um, so he's probably aware of what was happening with Andor. And so I, I would be interested to find out if there was some inspiration happening with the pit being created around the same time of this or if it was completely separate and it's just one of those star wars it runs because this is what happens in in like a social space of like our world this is just living in the world kind of stories um but both stories are about an injustice injustice in prison systems and the people who get left behind and get used because you know slavery 
Um, so I, I just thought that was like really fascinating that like this story came out and we're covering like three weeks after we watched the pit. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I just like it just resonated with me because they're very similar stories. And I thought that was like one of those very interesting Star Wars at Rhymes things. Uh, and anything? No, um, I don't know. It depends on how long they were in production of the pit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I it's hard to tell because because it's animation, but also yeah. they're shorts. It's not like they're making full seasons. No, um, that's still a, a quite. I but I'll I'll put it this way. I'm sure there's more time and effort put into a, a visions episode than a single episode of a TV show of a you know. Oh yeah. Because you have the studio is just like we're doing our Star Wars now, and they're doing the one thing, so they probably put a a good amount of time and energy into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to say. Um, did I miss all mine? and uh cast telling the guards to be on program is such a satisfying moment um oh don't add that wow i mosey through all these except for one finally it's just there is there is symbolism happening at the end and people smarter than me can write papers about it but i'm just gonna note it right here jumping into the water it's a leap of faith it's a baptism it's a transformation of Cassian's character that he can't go back to who he was at the start of the show. He is being baptized into this whole new life, and then he's doing his little jumpy thing. It's a transformation. I'm sure there's going to be really smart people writing really detailed 20, 30, 50 page essays about it. But I'm noting it in my hope way. It's there. Now, you smart people make me sound smarter and take this thesis. It's not a thesis. I don't fucking know. But I just wanted to note it because it's one of those things that they taught me in college that I didn't give a fuck about. And then I became a theater major, not an English major. (laughs) And look where I am now. Not doing theater. Congrats. Anyway, that's all I have for Act 2. Anything else? (laughs) No, I guess uh, Act (laughs) 3. All right. Uh, Let me take a sip before I... Butcher a stone scarred guard. Ah, you want to ready to wrap this Stellan scars guard up? Yeah, let's uh, wrap this Luthen up. Hmm. And his like fancy cloak that blows in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> you just know he was in the back going, Clea, where's yeah. my fancy cloak that blows in the wind? Many it's people don't know his us. cape is his cape is made of prep. Prep. It's been a while since we've talked about the prep. Anyway, act three. Just to finish. Okay, so we got like seven minutes left of Lonnie kind of doing cool stuff. Mainly Lonnie is there to watch a masterclass of Stellan Skarsgård acting. Because it turns out Lonnie is a mole and a spy in the ISP. And he spies for Luthen. Bum, bum, bum. Anyway, so Lonnie's like walking through the... The, the streets of course sign he's going on the levels he's going down it's getting all all you know he's going to the shady part of town because there's aliens <laughs> and i hate that notion <laughs> i hate that the shady part of town means we're actually getting aliens in star wars because it shouldn't be that but it is also the imperial time and they are specious so you know it tracks anyway uh, Luthen is being a dick to Lonnie because he can. And Looney, oh, Looney, Lonnie is just like, 
I got my earpiece in. Hi, Luthen. And Luthen's like, hi, congratulations on your baby daughter. It'd be a shame if something happened to the baby. Good job becoming a father. You know, babies are really defenseless. Have you taught your baby how to fight? Oh, no, wait, she's a toddler. Uh, it would be really bad if something happened. You know, toddlers get kidnapped all the time. You, they could just be sold off to another world for adoption. Anyway, that would never happen to you. You know, babies can't fight, Lonnie. They're just essentially meaty blobs sitting in a bassinet. How's your daughter, Lonnie? And <laughs> Lonnie is just like, listen, why? I'm finally in the show. And, and I'm going to tell you cool stuff. You know, there's this new girl. Her name is Dedra, and Partagaz likes her because Partagaz is just like, oh my god, my people. And I'm just like, oh no. And Dedra's like really obsessed with Ferrix and this guy named Axis and this guy named Cassian. And she really wants to connect them to Aldani. And Lucin's like, oh, I don't know fucking anything about it. What's, what's an Aldani? I heard about it. What is it, like, like a pizza place? And Lonnie goes, oh, you don't know about Aldani? Okay, and Lonnie is not bright, apparently. And Lonnie is just like, hey, also they caught one of Krieger's men. And Luthen's like, oh no, well, he's dead. For you, Lonnie. Isn't that nice? I'm gonna kill 50 men for you. Don't you love that, Lonnie? And Lonnie's like, I don't want to be here anymore. And about the time the elevator reaches the bottom, and the, the door opens, and Luthen's like, hello! And he just, like, holds up his arm so his cape's extra billowy, and he's just like, hello, Lonnie! Welcome! And apparently this place was, like, filmed at, like, a like a waterworks plant in London. He's like, welcome to the waterworks, Lonnie! You ready to cry? And Lonnie's like, no, I'm not gonna cry. I'm just gonna ask nicely if I can leave. I'm a father now. You know, I just want to get out of here. And Luthen's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, you're not going anywhere, but good try, though. Uh, I'm going to kill 50 men just for you. And I'm going to wrap up each of their heads in prep and send it to you. And Lonnie's like, ew. Well, I'm giving up a lot. Like, possibly putting my 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 partner. I Actually, I should say partner. We don't actually know if he has a wife. Uh, my partner and daughter in danger. And I'm a father now. Um, and Luthen's like, okay. Listen, I have to get all my award nominations right here. Are you ready? And Lonnie's like, oh, God, yeah, hold on, hold on. Just pulls over a chair, sits down, gets the popcorn. He's just like, dazzle me, Stellan's Skarsgård. And Stellan's like, okay, here we go. <clears throat> you think I don't give up anything for you? I. <laughs> I can't do it seriously. I have given up. Everything for you, Lottie. I can never see the sun again. I have to wear these specialty sunglasses that makes me look angsty. Because what happens when I give up everything? Love and kindness and, and the touch of a friendly hand. And I have this anger and ego and this unflexible willingness because I don't do enough yoga. I'm not flexible anymore. And what is my sacrifice? I must use the tools of my enemy, and you, they just don't store them properly in a shed. They're all rusty, Lottie. Look at them. They're rusty. How can I use this bandsaw if it's rusted? 
but I have to use the tools of my enemy because I have burned my decency for everyone else's future, even yours. Do you know how much gift wrapping 50 heads cost? That's a lot of crap, Lottie, and I'm gonna mail it to you. I'm gonna mail it to you. I will never see the light of gratitude. People will never know all the hard work I did. Do you know how much dry cleaning is for this pillowy cake cape? So what did I sacrifice, Lottie? Everything. And Lottie is just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. And that's how hope ruined a stone scars guard speech. Da -da 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 -da. Duh, and the episode ends with Cassie and Melshi making it to shore, and they run away for their freedom. The end. Thank you, Stone Skarsgård, for being in Star Wars. Holy shit. <laughs> Was it horrible? I'm sorry. No, I'm saying holy shit, you're right. I mean, that, that, that scene alone, like... Hang on. It's six minutes, it's, it's six minutes of excellence. In, in, in at the end of the prison arc, to have a scene of ex of of a character giving a speech that that like the next day kind of eclipses that, like on the internet, people are just like, "Holy shit, that speech! That's quite a speech." <laughs> to 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 steal some thunder away from the Andy the other events of this. Two amazing speeches. Yeah, 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 and. uh yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Um, I I love when um, they you know they say on program in the to the to the guys in the I know that's from the last part, but for some reason it's in this part's note. I I and I love Luthen is also like this is also kind of this speech is almost the Luthen if you if you're. Looking at it from Lonnie's point of view, it's the Luthen is Satan. Um, he's fucking like he's Satan. Hi, oh how's, yeah. how's your daughter? <laughs> it's not just that. It's how's your daughter? Also, I'm murdering you. Really want right. to leave? And I'm letting fifty men die for you. Uh, they're, they're dying, Lonnie. That's so they're selfish. Di they're, they're dying so you can be here and you want to go. You know, You're, they're dying for your daughter, Lonnie. How selfish! Like it's, it's it, he is so cruel in this scene. It's wonderful, and he's so and like he just he just sits there and very devil like coaxes Lonnie into going. Well, oh yeah, what did you sacrifice? And then he's just like, oh well, hell, hell, so glad you asked. Pulls out his piece of paper. <clears throat> sacrifice <laughs> i i fucking love it he's just so happy and i also want to say uh hope i never expected to hear the term bassinet full of meat in uh big guys and jedi episode i just <laughs> never thought it would those three words would end up together but i'm i'm happy they did uh, for whatever I, reason you know what i have to say like I after butchering like Mon Mothma's speech like three episodes ago, I I had fun butchering this one. This one was one of my better butchers. You know, you have to butcher something to get a bassinet for me. I just want to see a scene in a movie where somebody's like the new baby's at home, and you know they're like, "This is our this is our new baby. What do you think?" And someone looks at it, and goes, "It's a bassinet full of meat." <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I love, I love the scene. I love just like it's, it's, it's they, it's perfect use of low budget, you know, low budget set. But you know, so we'll just use the drama of a of a descending elevator, and then just a causeway in an empty. You know, it 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 just it's it's perfectly set up. Yeah, that's all I really have for for notes for uh, part three. There wasn't a lot to talk about in this park besides the speech. <laughs> oh, oh, it's it's like I said, it's six minutes of excellence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um. You ready for a for a, a very controversial shots fired take at my boy Callus? Sure. I wrote Lonnie is a character I'm interested to come in more in season two because shots fired, he's a better spy than Callus. Though, oh, to be geez. fair, we're talking about two different demographics here, because Callus was a moron when he was a spy. <laughs> he was essentially going, hi, Thrawn, what's that information for no reason? I'm here in a place I shouldn't be. And Thrawn was like, hi, Callus, how you doing? What are you writing on that pad? Why are you following me around? Callus when you're not supposed to be here? I'm Callus just like, taking no notes on, I'm just taking I'm notes on being show. cool. <laughs> That's all. So we're talking about two very different demographics because actually, because I remember when we were following doing out, you I think you were the one I was like I like Callus as a spy and you were you were like he's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you call that him. That sounds out. like me. Like, look, um, but I also make it more Lonnie because like up to this point I've liked how they've handled him and now that he's revealed. I'm ready for them to flesh him out more. And I hope that's a season two thing of fleshing him out more because I think he's a very interesting possible character, like an adult version of Callus. But, you know, probably with more fucking. We know he fucks. He has a child. Unless he adopted. He could have adopted. It might not even. He could have adopted. I don't know. Lonnie fucks. <laughs> we'll just say that now. Oh. All right, you ready for the big note of this where I'm going to make everyone mad and it's my last note? Okay. Welcome to what I've been building towards for 10 episodes. Uh, and it's it's the Discord's least favorite topic of Luthen's a secret Jedi. Yeah. And I'm here's not, why. I'm not too hot on that topic either, but... Listen, I'm 80-20. I'm 80-20. I'm 80%... In with everybody else, I don't want him to be a Jedi, but I'm playing with this 20%. And I'm just playing for 20% of the content and playing devil's advocate. So I'm going to take this speech and break it down in all the ways that he could be a Jedi. You ready? Sure. Just humor me. Uh, so to, to uh, breaking down like Luthen's speech... Um, he, you know, so it's like, what did you give up? He said, calm, kindness, kinship, love. Um, I've given up all chances for inner peace. Inner peace was, of course, uh, talking, if you take this in the concept of balance, something that the Jedi teach. Um, and he says, I made my mind in a sunless space. You know, the Jedi is very much about the light side of the forest, and he's actively choosing to use the dark side. 
I've shared my dreams with ghosts. Of course, all the Jedi are dead by this point, except for a very few of them. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there is only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. And this is the one that like makes it this theory very interesting to me. Because if we use that 15 years ago, and knowing that this takes place the same year as that Rebel starts, Ezra is 14 in a Rebels. So 15 years ago, if we're putting that in context, we're talking Clone Wars. This would be a conclusion that he came up to in the Clone Wars if he was a Jedi. And we know from Clone Wars that a lot of the Jedi really disagreed with the war. That's why Barriss Offee blew up the fucking temple and and framed Ahsoka because she disagreed. And Anakin even says as much, like, a lot of Jedi are not fighting because they disagree with the war. And so if that was a choice that he came to this conclusion of, I am damned for what I do because if he is a secret Jedi, he was probably a general and it was probably fighting in a war and killing people. And it's a conclusion that he came to. I just find that a really fascinating choice that he came to it then. And then Order 66 happens and then there's an empire and he's already in the sunless dark side space. And then he goes into these like dark side thoughts of like my anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight. You know, something that is often talked about when with characters like Anakin, which is we, actually this happened in the Obi Wan Kenobi show that we covered before this one. Um, Obi Wan tells in the, in the in the flashback scenes with thirty year old Anakin. Um, Obi Wan tells him, "Hey, you know, you're so focused on trying to win this fight." And that's very un-Jedi from you. It's not about winning. It's about how you fight, essentially. Again, the whole Yoda thing. And so <clears throat> when if you're taking this in the context of a Jedi who's jaded by the Clone Wars and he's finding anger and ego and he's not being very flexible and he is being very eager to fight to save lives, to stop this war, to end it. Um, and he says, they've sent me on a path from which there is no escape. If he's been on this path since the Clone Wars, that's like a very fascinating take to me. And he says, I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I look down, there is no longer any ground beneath my feet. Which feels like a very like kind of Order 66 moment of just like, I was so caught up in this fighting and everything. I didn't see the world destroy around me. And suddenly everything is gone. What is my sacrifice? I've condemned to use the tools of my enemy. He's condemned to use the tools of the dark side to defeat them. I burned my decency for someone else's future. Well, that actually is kind of a Jedi thing. They are very self-sacrificing people. Where that that is a point that actually like to touch on the High Republic. Like Comic Fida struggles with that, which is one of my favorite characters in the the High Republic, where he's like, if we can't even mourn, then what? Who are we as people? Um, I burn my life to make a sunrise I know I'll never see. So he knows that he's damned to give everything for a fight, which is, again, a very Jedi trait of giving everything to save other people, to save the light side. He's never going to see freedom. Um, No, the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or a light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. So essentially, he has sacrificed his Jedi life, his Jedi morals, morals. He's lost everything, and he knows it. And so, like, if there is anything, like, everything in this theory that I only 20% subscribe to, I feel like this speech is could be written very calculating of, like, 
every one of these lines could be tied to a Jedi in hiding. Every one of these lines could be tied to a Jedi fallen from grace and using the dark side. And I just, I just find it really fascinating. Again, I don't subscribe to the theory, but in this context, I think it's really interesting if it ends up being true, because I feel like this is the shining beacon of like, if it's true, it's here. So, yeah, I, I I mean, I think I feel that that speech could, this speech could also be twisted in 20 different ways of like, like almost any kind of ideology that involves, you know, sort of like a humanistic, you know, an approach of like, you know, non tyranny or whatever. If you have that that sort of ideology, that then you know, like the a democrat, lack of better word, a democratic ideology or freedom ideology, mm-hmm. you know that you could apply those and like so the, oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. the Jedi is an ideology too. So it sort of it sort of lays over anything, um, but yeah, I just I I've just. I mean, it could work, but just thematically with what and the story Andor's trying to tell, which is away from the cosmic aspect of it, you know, and about the, I, I, I feel that they will av- would avoid that, you know, that it would it would seriously undermine a lot of the the basic themes of Andor, which is you know what what is happening on the non-supernatural level with all this you know oh i don't disagree so, i, so I don't. like you know i'm 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 strongly hoping that he's not a jedi but there's there's all sorts of interesting things he could be he could be you know he could have been he could have been one of palpatine's you know he could have been working with palpatine and been you know Oh my God! What a twist! If he was an inquisitor, and he was like, "No, fuck this." <laughs> see, not even an inquisitor. I could just see him being a like a bureaucrat, you know, who is like, "Hey, this Palpatine guy. Okay, I'll I'll work with this," and then being like, "Oh, holy shit!" Or you know, there there's all sorts of there's all sorts of things he could be. He could have been just an antique dealer that's was really smart. <laughs> Well, and, I mean, Jedi artifacts are rare. He could be an antique dealer with Jedi artifacts, and um, yeah, it's just one of those things that he could have. Um, yeah, they they came and they're like, "Give us your Jedi shit. We need to destroy it." He was like, "But history, no." Well, that's the thing. He has de- definitely. There's, there, you know, they're trying to tell us that he has strong ties with history because a good anti- a high end antique dealer, a, any an- a good antique dealer, a real antique dealer, has, you know, has enough grasp on history to put an item that they find or are selling or are looking for in context, you know, and say, well, this was, this is why, this is an interesting thing, so. So, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a reason he's an antique dealer in this. And there's a reason there's time spent showing him being like this. This is a, you know, from this and talking about the culture and the background of an item and stuff. So, you know, that's, that, that could be, that could be a clue. Also, he could have, he could have been a smuggler. (laughs) He could have been a pirate, you know, or that, 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 that. Like he could have been like basically like Indiana Jones going around stealing antiquities and then selling them to people, you know. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We may never know. We may never know. He could yeah. end up he could end up dead halfway through season two. We didn't see him in Rogue One. <laughs> so. I, I I just find it really interesting where I, I we we mentioned this like I think a few times already. Like we've gone through one season and we still don't essentially know who Luthan is. We don't know who he is. We may never. We may never. He may he may be you that know might, that's kind of like one of those like um things where I'm just like, you know, I There are people all throughout history that people go, who the fuck was that guy? Mm-hmm. They say his name was this, but like he was living in Lithuania this year under this name and like his age doesn't match up with the you know, and that the, there were people that were very important in history. People don't know who they are, you know. <laughs> it, it, you know, there's 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 whole especially like during the time period, like when the CIA happened and stuff, there's mm-hmm. there's whole like you read old CIA stories and then like, you know, there's all these characters that show up that, with names and histories and and then they disappear and nobody knows who they were. And he could just be one of those one of those guys. I have a feeling we're going to find out some to some extent who he is just because that would really like aid the story well but we don't have to for it because it's all i hope we find out in the very last episode of andor see i i have a feeling luthan's not going to make it that far i have a feeling that like mm-hmm. he's he's just not going to make it that that far and like and you know maybe you know maybe they'll like come up with some way for him to go out big and dramatically but i don't know like i have pretty much faith in whatever they're gonna do and that it like will be interesting but yeah yeah luthan might not and and, you know i mean basically cassia needs to make it to the end of this series everybody else we don't know (laughs) you know i mean like we know cassia melshi and mon mothma are gonna be great in saul guerrera everyone else good luck (laughs) yeah yeah and you know we're you know, it's 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 just very interesting. It's very interesting. And I didn't note that he also he found out about Dedra and he was just sort of like, oh, let her do this. That's not going to help anything at all. And and I'm thinking mm-hmm. he could be lying about that, like even that he's like giving him weird bits of information, too. And like he could be worried about Dedra, but doesn't want him to know that he's worried about it. It's it's just so fun to speculate and like know that you probably have no idea <laughs> what's going on you know i mm-hmm. i love it so that's all i have pretty much it yeah do you have anything else no i'm ready to score it up just because i know this is going to be fun score it up for me chris i'm giving it a 10 whoa your second 10 <laughs> Yeah, I I, I I I feel that I would be remiss if I did not give this episode a ten. Now I do like the first episode is my is so far my favorite episode of Andor, you know, even on the rewatch so far. So but this episode is wonderful. It's like as a as a film student and a film appreciator, this is a taut thirty-nine minutes of you, this is there's not an ounce of fat in this not a second of wasted anything everything is of use and works 
to the benefit of everything that's built up to this point it's it's wonderful it it it, it is rousing when attack you know it's you, you know it it is it is you know just well delivered payoff and and uh yeah it's and and the the other and between like the scene with mon mothma and luthan it just does a little bit towards the side stories you know just what it has to but though you know it has a little marva in it and a little bit of the isb but the 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 luthan and um what was the other scene that i uh just brought up Oh, the Mon uh, Ma- with Mon Mothma and the yeah, Crime Lord are in, insanely important scenes, and they're also setting up the whole, you know, thing with, uh, with, um, you know, the 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 group of rebels that's going to get wiped out, you know, that has to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just perfect, perfectly presented, and yeah, it's just you rarely see writing like this in tv i don't know if since maybe breaking bad i don't know it's pretty pretty amazing mm-hmm. so 10 wow mm-hmm. yeah i feel bad uh <laughs> well I, as soon as Hi. you were like as, you, as soon as you were like oh this is i mean hey you, you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know there's an okay. argument for the weakest of the three prison arc doesn't mean much when they're all amazing. So exactly. And like I, I even feel like saying the word weakest is not right. I I, I just think the other two You can say it are slightly better. It's the weakest, it's the scrawniest. It's I the, I the love the second of the episode. three. The the second episode just like does so much for me. And I would actually put this one on par with the first one but for different reasons so you you've you've made me bump my my score throughout oh. this conversation so i'm going to tie it with the second with the first episode so it's going to be a 9.5 out of 10 okay but i i do i love i love the second episode so well as always we would love to hear your feedback on itunes twitter or on the two true freaks facebook page and we also have a j guys and jedi discord you can get, come hang out with us between shows. We have a lot of fun. It's great. And this week, our feedback comes from Facebook and from our chats and Discord, because I started this one last week, and we're finishing it now. And this is for Episode 4, Aldani, as well as other people hanging out and talking about stuff. Oh, I need to do a voice for you, Chris. <gasps> and by the way, the line is two different conversations. Okay. Yeah, because I don't... I. I, I yeah, I don't know. There's what... Diego, and then there's everybody else. Right, I don't know what Diego's talking about here. The, the do you oh, think... I do. I'll answer this one. Okay, so Diego Lemos asks a question that I have no idea. Do you think that the ricotta reference is ricotta? Ooh, ricotta. I like ricotta. It's good in lasagna. Do you think that the ricotta reference is connected with that Dawn of Jedi movie, and were they and they were playing the long game with us? Now, what was the Dawn of the Jedi movie? Is that the Old Republic movie that? This is the movie, one of the movies that just. So this was um, okay. So a few things just here. got announced or something. The Ricotta people were the people that Luthen references when he gives 
uh, Cassian his kyber crystal. And he says, this was a kyber uh, crystal that was celebrating the, like, the fall or the rise of the Rakatan Empire. This means more to me, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's what he's talking about. Um, and then the Dawn of the Jedi movie is one of the movies that was just announced. The one that goes back like 10,000 years and it's about right. the very first Jedi. Um, that is the Dawn of the Jedi movie. Um, now, for the actual questions. Do we think that the Ricotta references is connected with the Dawn of the Jedi movie and they will use that to play the long game with us? Um, my answer is, Diego, It I think it's going to depend on where the timelines fall. Um, I took that as being a later incident, uh, but I also don't know shit about the Ricotta or the Ricotta, the the Ricotta. Um, I don't know anything about them. And if Wikipedia tells me stuff and looking at this picture of them, hey, this looks like a um, thing I don't know anything from Legends about. Um, so I my answer is it really depends on where they fall in the timeline. Um, if it's one of those things that it happens, because actually the very interesting thing now I pull up Wikipedia is the Ricardo were created for the game Dawn of the Jedi, Knights of the Royal Republic. Before that, they were referenced to unnamed aliens according to the Star Wars role-playing game. And when I go down, several of their things are from these books called Dawn of the Jedi. There's these, it looks like they're comic books for Dawn of the Jedi 1, 3, 4, Dawn of the Jedi, Prisoners of Bogan, blah, blah. So the Ricotta are actually in a comic book called Dawn of the Jedi, which now I now understand with context that this is what you're asking about. Um, I, my answer is maybe. I don't know. I don't work at Lucasfilm. Um, but I think it could be an interesting thing for them to be like, hey, where the Ricotta, that thing that they mentioned in Andor. I don't Most feel like that's something be... that Tony Gilroy would do. I do feel like that is a thing that like somebody else could do, though. Yeah. They'll, so, they'll use it if it's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, okay, now we're getting to the hate. And I'm here for it. Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze says, I fucking hate Perrin further. On a personal level, I want only bad things for that man. And Hope says... <laughs> Oh boy, are you going to dislike what we recorded on Tuesday about Perrin and how he's, in a way, a victim in all this? And Charles says, But hope I don't want nuanced discussions of complex characters and their exploitation by a system whose evil relies on a part of them not recognizing or being unable to admit their complicity in the system, even if they aren't a direct participant in the atrocities being committed. I want to one dimensionally hate on my favorite Star Wars character, shit husband. Just kidding, mate. Can't wait to hear it. That was perfect Charles Cadence, by the way. <laughs> was it? Oh, my God. I'm almost what? passing out. Yeah. You've heard Charles. He was on our show. So. Anyway, and then Chris says. Not enough, to, not enough, enough to ape his voice, but hey, I'll take That's it. That's true. You've only heard Charles Maybe once, like, two years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Just because I nailed Gene and Patrick Delmore. You've also heard Gene and Patrick Delmore. You work with Gene. <laughs> On, on, as part of the Akadekadonagon. Anyway, um, Chris then says, by the way, when Hope says we, I'm not having much empathy for that collaborator. My dream arc is for him, uh, for him is Mon launders the shit ton of money as he gambles and uses that as grounds for divorce. And then he starts gambling for real and the Empire makes him their worm. Squiggle, yep. squiggle. Happy to see that. Yep. Squiggle. 
Charles says, well, he's not in the OT or mentioned in Rebels, so a man can dream. Yes. Oh, my God. He becomes yes, the one they, the Empire drops them and their little dri- their little drinks, and he dissolves, and then they drink them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh what, that, that's what that whole metaphor was. That was him in the future as the Empire just dissolves him and drinks him up. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> so come hang out with us. Uh, oh, God, I got to look up what we're doing next week. Uh, I don't have anything else for one way out. Do you? No. Um, all right. Well, then, uh, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That is our podcast website. I was not muted when I inhaled. I usually, like, clear my nasals as you're talking, and I did not mute. So excuse <laughs> well, me for snorting. Well, I was just like, what did I say? She's hissing at me. No, I just the only, to only Sorry like about that. that is hissing at me. Uh, you can find us at twotruefreaks.com. That is our podcast website with all of our insano freakish podcasts by Two True Freaks, including this one, J Guys and Jedi, and all our other podcasts. You can also go to Facebook and go to the Two True Freaks podcast page to see what's coming out as it comes out which you can also do on the website, but you can also do it on Facebook because some people like to do it there. And you can also hang out on Facebook at the Two True Freaks Cantina group and just talk Two True Freaks stuff. And you can also, well, now if, if when, when you uh, click the editing link to our website and our shows, you'll see a, a invitation to our Discord server where we have a little room for every two true freaks podcast including this one which i must say is one of the more active rooms on the discord right now so uh you can go over there and uh see a lot of a lot of these little uh, back and forths that we have at the end here you can see them uh play out we live over there we're getting a lot more we're getting a lot more uh um stuff at the end here from discord than we would on than we used to on facebook so yeah her twitter uh, twitter's dying <laughs> yeah, you can find us on the dying, <laughs> floundering Twitter. But it's it's fun in Discord because it's like people that we have from like all different areas, and it's just fun to have everybody together. Like we've talked about like Bucho and Gene and like Diego and like Diego, come join us on Discord. We love you. Well, uh, you know, I mean, Discord a Discord channel it is, is a different I, beast. Yeah, it is a different beast. It's more old school where you have, you know, people are there to be at whatever that channel is dedicated to so it's not i mean when you get into really big popular ones yeah you run into some of the same problems as like say facebook where like people are trying to sort of one-up each other or you know or make a big impression or Uh something whereas when you have a if you come and try to do that in the j guys discord i will personally throw you out myself i don't give a shit about one-upping we don't have don't do that hundreds hundreds of thousands of people you know crowding around so you know it's everybody's just sort of is just sort of hanging out so it's a lot more you know just sociable sort of thing so yeah i i, I like discords it's they're more like old news groups and stuff and mm-hmm. uh yeah they're just more amenable to people like hanging out and getting along so and we get to send each other fun memes occasionally. Like Brian Weber put in a picture of Yoda as a cat licking something. And I was yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Please yeah. give this to everybody. <laughs> I get you kicked off Facebook. So, 
There you go. Yeah, or, or or probably not Twitter at this point. But yeah, yeah, I guess we did mention Twitter. You can find two true freaks at Twitter. Bum, 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 bum. Gene, poor Gene. Has to actually go in there and and muck around. But anyway, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? Hey, Nathan, if you made it this far. Hi. Um, this is the part where I talk about the stuff we do. And that includes stuff that you do, my friend. Because if you listen to For Light and Dice there with me on that with Charles and yeah so you can find me and our possibly new listener Nathan and Charles on for Line Dice with a bunch of other really cool people going on a journey through Star Wars it is a real play podcast where we really roll dice and we really go on adventures and actually by the time this comes out we're getting really close to wrapping up our first season and I, I know I think we're going to take a little break so it's a really good time like if you want to like jump in and binge the show like Gene did um, this is a good time to do it. And the reason I'm doing this first before all my other stuff, fuck it, it's pride and it's full of gay people and I can do that. This is this is my pride, bitches. <laughs> Listen, we're coming for you. This is my woke gay agenda. <laughs> so I swear these are getting more unhinged every time you guys let me do this. Also, you can find us at Jake Guys and Jedi on Twitter, at Homolinax on Twitter, um, and I write for a bunch of shit. Like, uh, actually, it's not sh- actually it's not shit today. I know it's gonna be like two two weeks later, or something like that. But today's actually my Geeky Waffles anniversary. Um, I, I first started working with the Geeky Waffle on probably two years ago. So this is my two-year anniversary at the Geeky Waffles. It feels like so much longer than just two years. Um, and I'm super proud about the stuff I've done over there. So like, go maybe like check out my Geeky Waffle stuff. And definitely go check out our YouTube. Because Candace has been killing it over there on YouTube. And that would be really great. So, And you know I do other shit too, but no one cares. So, Hey, anyway, come back next week. Um, and let's talk about Daughters of Ferrix. Uh. Actually, daughter. I'm sorry. There's no S on the end of that. Daughter of Ferrix, because it's Marva's death. <laughs> Spoiler: Marva dies next week. I don't know why I laughed at that. Anyway. <laughs> All right, everybody. Whoa. Oh, we get that. we finally get fun aliens next week. The tank are these? These are the tank top aliens, aren't they? Tank top. Let me oh. say. Let me click on their picture. Yeah. Oh no, these are the scrotum. Yeah. All right. Scrotums and scrotums next week. Scrotums and droopy boobies. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We call those droobies. Happy pride. (laughs) With scrotums and your droopy boobies. Happy pride, everybody. All right. Bye. (laughs) Drooby drooby do. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show too. 
Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. I get my jingles in there, okay? <laughs> well, we got the snort going. Did you get that? I want to see that on live TV. I really want to hear that snort. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, make up.